The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is Wayne Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online, What the Flick, other places as well. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, and I'm a guy. You, you sure is. I'm just some hobo off the street, really. Yeah, you got you, you got your stick with a with a with a with a scarf on it. It's called a bindle. You have your bindle. I have, I have my bindle. I have my tin of specially cured possum meat. Is that what you keep in your bindles? What do people keep in their bindles? Oh, you know, bibs and bobs, knickknacks, tchotchkes, various paraphernalia and bric-a-brac, all of those things. So yeah, this is canceled too soon. (laughs) This is the show where we review all those TV shows that no one liked. And uh, this week, uh, we're reviewing a television series that was the other winner of our June Patreon poll. Uh, If you subscribe to our show on Patreon, you get a whole bunch of exclusive stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get exclusive episodes from the Canceled Too Soon monthly movie, in which we review uh, TV movies, that many of which have never been seen or heard from again. Um, Or uh, you get uh, exclusive video reviews. Uh, You get Google Hangouts. Hangouts, prize packs, which have just gone in the mail, the pri- the uh, t-shirts. Prize, the prize packs for our uh, $20 subscribers, yes. our highest level, uh, are now in the mail. The first prize pack. The first, there are more to come. There are more to come. The first prize pack, which were assembled by me, yeah. uh, are on their way to you right now, uh, flying across the country and in one case to another country. Ooh. So, uh, we ha- yeah, we have an international subscriber. Isn't just just one at the $20 level. Well, um, that we know of. That we know of so far. I suppose they might have a fake American address. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe they got relatives. Uh, but uh, if you subscribe, even at the $5 a month range, you mm-hmm. get to help pick a future episode of Cancel Too Soon every single month. Every single month, one episode of the show, the regular show that everyone gets for free, uh, is curated mm-hmm. by our Patreon subscribers. And the last in June, it was a tie. And uh, last and, week, and rather than flip a coin, we decided to be generous and just do them both. Well, we, there's both shows we wanted to do. So last week we ended mm. up doing cliffhangers, which ended up being one of the best shows we've ever done. <laughs> it was really innovative and really interesting. It was we, a lot of fun. It was really cool. We were like, oh man, this is great. I wonder what else they picked. And it turns out it was WizKids. Coming this fall, Richie and his friends were just four normal kids until they built a supercomputer they used to solve crimes with the help of a friendly reporter. Now, things will never be the same for the Whiz Kids. Coming this fall on CBS Wednesdays. Whiz Kids. Okay, so uh, Richie and his friends are not normal kids. Yeah, that that is uh, a really misleading promo. <laughs> so uh, whiz, the they were whiz, they were normal kids until they did something normal kids couldn't do. That's were, not how that works. They were normal kids until they just sort of built a supercomputer by accident. Yeah. No, um, Doctor Frankenstein was a normal doctor until mm-hmm. after he built the monster. Until he just built the monster. Um, 
Richie and his friends are actually very, very smart. Richie in particular is, is a computer genius. He mm. is a whiz kid, if yeah. you would. And uh, the premise of the show is his, he lives at home with his mom and his little sister, Dee Dee. Uh, and, Cheryl. Uh, I know. Okay. <laughs> it was a reference to Dexter's Laboratory. I know, it does have a real... But, he, he His bickering annoyance at his sister mm, is very Dexter's Lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely the inventors of Dexter's Laboratory, Gendy Tartakovsky, watched WizKids. It would not surprise me. But uh, he, his dad is out of the picture, but his dad is some sort of like computer sales magnet of some sort who's traveling abroad a lot. Yeah, he like he like and, works for like big defense companies or something, and yeah. he mails his like leftover computer stuff, like last season's computer stuff mm. to Richie but it's top of the line at the time so Richie's still like light years ahead of everyone else in his hometown when it so, comes to his computer technology and, and, and he's a brilliant engineer so he just starts connecting every single piece that comes into his home and he has a gigantic room where he's built Ralph which I don't remember what it stands for I don't think they ever uh, actually said specifically it's, R- it's, R- it's an R-A-L- acronym it's R-A-L-F mm-hmm. and Ralph and- and uh, incidentally, it's been a while since we've done an acronym challenge. So if you'll recall, <laughs> if you'll recall when we did Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, mm-hmm. uh, what was the name of the sinister organization I think again? Vulture, I believe. Vulture, yeah. yeah. We, we asked you to come up with the acronym for Vulture. Tell us what Ralph stands for. Mm-hmm. R-A-L-F. And the winner gets nothing really, but get, we're going to be really happy and we're going to talk about how awesome your acronym you, you, was. You get a Marvel no prize. Yeah, so uh, email us canceltoosoon at gmail.com. <laughs> so uh, Richie has three friends who are kind of one amorphous unit. They move together a lot. Well, there's... They, there's, there's, they, they, there's do, they do occasionally have their own sort of separate stories, but... We'll talk about them in uh, general, but like it's, it's basically Richie's show. It's mm. basically Matthew Broderick from War Games, and he has three friends. And he has three friends. And, and, yeah. But he's also kind of like bitter and awkward. Yeah. So WizKids is basically uh, kids solve crimes with computers. It's the Hardy Boys crossed with war games and Mm -hmm. this came out uh on cbs it aired from october 5th 1983 to june 2nd 1984 which is right after war games came out it was right after war games it was right after et uh it was around the time of poltergeist but specifically war games because war games was a film about a young Mm -hmm. teenage computer hacker who gets in over his head which is something that happens a lot in WizKids. the the notion of the these kids sort of taking agency and doing adult sort of things and living off in their own corner of the world is a very Spielbergian notion, however. Yes, and it's it's actually interesting when you uh, look at... Um, again, it seems so benign. Mm. Okay, so it's a bunch of kids. They solve mysteries mm. with computers. Okay. And you gotta which realize, was really novel in 1983. It, computer yeah. technology, home computer technology that could do things like facial recognition mm. or access databases or even send like instant letters like email yeah or talk mm. they can actually like have like a voice box for it these are pretty novel ideas that not necessarily everyone at home was super familiar with uh, in 1983 but the thing that I think is most interesting about WizKids is as benign as it sounds today at the time it was it was really ravaged by critics for being morally irresponsible yeah I got some quotes here actually mm-hmm. uh, uh, from, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, the Associated Press, mm. Fred Rothenberg, 
said, WizKids does not make a whimper on the sex and violence scale, yet it may be more dangerous to children than anything on television this season. Our adolescent heroes, sort of hearty boys high on silicon chips, engage willy-nilly in assorted illegal activities, computer tampering, driving without licenses, and grave robbing, which indeed they do. Mm. Even though some of this law-breaking may be construed as Adolescent pranks, and all of it is done in the name of crime fighting. None of it serves well as TV role model mm. behavior. Barbara Holsoppel of the Pittsburgh Press said, WizKids glorifies theft by computer, breaking and entering, and car theft by underage drivers. Yes, the actors are talented and clever and cute, but WizKids glorifies crime. It makes heroes of its young criminals. Its premise is rooted in the message that anybody's computer system is fair game, so long as the end justifies the means, and with an 8pm time slot and a cast of young people, its target audience is is children. I could go on like this. Um, uh, can you read it in, in a snippy tone each time? Uh, yes, I could. Every single time. And on one level, kind of. Yeah. Like, they're actually, well, the, that actually the, is the, something the, that the show kind of dances around a lot, is that they actually do do a lot of unethical things. They're, they're breaking the law, and by today's standards of computer practices, yeah, that's really, really unethical. They break into people's personal files. They break into police files. They break yeah. into bank vaults. They were still inventing um, computer crimes. Yeah. Like, this yeah, stuff yeah. wasn't, like, some of it is obviously mm. a crime when they, like, hack into a bank, for example. Mm. But, like, sometimes but, it's, it's, it's hazier mm. at the time because no one was really... There weren't a lot of hard, fast rules. Mm-hmm. There's one episode in particular in which um, they accidentally hack into the NSA, the National Security Agency, <laughs> and the episode relies on the NSA was so new that people didn't know about it yet. Mm-hmm. And indeed, the reporter character talks about it being like a shadowy cabal that not everyone knows even exists. Well, you remember in, in Sneakers, which was a decade later, they were still talking about the NSA as if it was like this secret shadowy thing that nobody knew about. Yeah, and mm-hmm. admittedly, that is where I learned about the NSA and yes. sneakers. <laughs> and sneakers, by the way, sneakers also clearly they saw WizKids. Because WizKids, <laughs> I think, is the template for a lot of that. We're going to use computer hackers yeah, and in fact, to solve crimes and, and stop uh, Cold War spying. That's right. And yeah. there, there's even an episode where the WizKids are hired to test security. Yeah. So that which is the premise of sneakers. Yeah, which and which is a real job. Mm. You 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 are a hacker, you're hired to hack something on purpose just to see if it can be hacked. Mm. That's a real job. And you know, a lot of the hackers can and they point out like where the weaknesses are. A friend of mine actually um produced I think it was a pilot. I don't know if it went to series, but he produced like a reality show about guys who do that. Ah, uh, nice. Um, it was a neat program. I don't think I picked well, up. It was. It's uh, a neat idea. I bet it's not very dynamic to watch. Well, the problem is most of the like for every like cool thing you could steal or, or test mm-hmm. hacking. Um, there's a bunch of boring stuff. Like they're yeah. not. It's not always like you got to hack into NASCAR. Like it's not always cool. <laughs> Sometimes it's just, just like, like my some... bakery gets hacked a lot. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I got so here, here's your cinnamon roll firewall. All right, so uh, uh, WizKids mm. um, aired, okay, again, it aired in 1983, 1984. Uh, it started off on Wednesdays. It aired opposite, uh, uh, what did it air opposite? Uh, the Fall Guy. And oh. then in January, it aired for 18 whole episodes. Uh, in January, it moved to Saturdays, which is always death. Yeah, uh, but if, not if, you, if you're moved to Saturday night or any time on Saturday. But here's the thing: Friday night or any time on Saturday. Saturday, because a Saturday is always even even today on network TV. They assume you're out doing stuff, mm. so nothing good is on Saturday prime time. Midnight, yeah, they got Saturday Night Live mm. prime time. 
it's dead. But not only that, but on Saturdays in the in the 1983-1984 season, uh, it aired opposite T.J. Hooker, Different Strokes, and Silver Spoons. So it aired on an unusually busy Saturday full of very popular shows. <laughs> For uh, people in this age bracket, because this is clearly geared toward a younger crowd. Absolutely. In fact, it, again, it plays very, very kid-oriented. It, it's, it's an hour-long program, but yeah, I th- and it aired at night. But yeah, I think this is meant for like, you know, junior high age yeah. kids. Uh, WizKids was created by Philip Daguerre Jr., uh, who we've encountered before. Uh, he executive produced the Doctor Strange pilot, which we reviewed last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also pr- uh, produced the much more successful Simon and Simon, mm-hmm. the slightly more successful Max Hedrum, and the equally successful Air mm-hmm. America TV, TV series, Duh. which we will eventually get to, I suppose. Uh, it was also, I'm, actually, reports vary if it was co-created by or simply heavily produced by Bob Shane. Uh, but Bob, I think he's his co-creator. Is he I mean, created as co-creator? Depending on so. the, my research, he's one or the other. But right. he's obviously heavily involved. He wrote like, he contributed like 18 episodes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he also worked on Cover Up, which I really want to cover someday. PSI Love You, which I also want to cover someday. And Partners in Crime, which I really want to cover someday. He mm. did a lot of neat sounding shows that did not last. <laughs> uh, the young cast of characters... Mm-hmm. A lot of them were kind of big at the time and then vanished, as many young actors do. Uh, not, well, uh, uh, one of them, Ham, the actor who played mm-hmm. Ham. Uh, the, Hamilton sort of, Parker is who, the character. Who's sort of the uh, kind of the dashing ladies' man, would-be ladies' man of yeah, the group. He, he's the drummer. He's the jock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was sort of a teeny bopper idol for yeah. a little while there. Uh, uh, he was he was the voice of Pinocchio in Pinocchio's Christmas. <laughs> he was in the sci-fi comedy Earthbound. Uh, actually, the main uh, teen heartthrob at the time, and he was like on like Sixteen Magazine or mm. Tiger Beat or whatever else they had at the time, uh, was actually the main character. Richie Adler is the protagonist. He's the main hacker. He's played by Matthew Laberteau. Uh, he was he had a really tidy career there for about ten years, and he still does a lot of voice work. Uh, he was on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. He was on Little House of the Prairie. Nice. And, and then after he starred as the uh, teen hacker in Whiz Kids, who sometimes builds robots, he starred in Wes Craven's Deadly Friend <laughs> as a teen hacker who builds a robot and eventually resurrects his crush from the dead and puts a robot in her brain. That movie's weird. He, he puts a microchip in her brain that brings her back to life, but she's just sort of a robot body. She doesn't yeah. have like any memories or life anymore. She, she's essentially Frankenstein. If you've never seen Deadly Friend, it's super fucking bizarre because Wes Craven wanted to do like a Spielberg movie, like a certain mm-hmm. like a children's movie with certain elements of the fantastic and science fiction. And then after they made the movie, the producers were like, yeah, but you're Wes Craven. We thought there'd be really violent stuff. So there's like four scenes of shocking, <laughs> random violence, including one like bit. Anne Ramsey gets her head exploded with a basketball. Yeah, she fucking throws it. <laughs> Uh, it's a uh, what's her name from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson. Yeah, she like picks up a basketball and throws it at an older woman's head, and the woman's head just explodes. And then like a bo- Gallagher watermelon. And her and her body walks around for a few steps thereafter, spraying blood like a Monty Python fountain. Yeah, Deadly Friend is one of the weirdest it's, movies. It's a pretty wild movie. I saw it on TV when I was a kid, and mm. it, it scared the bejesus out of me. Well, like just, I couldn't sleep that well, because night. it lures you into this false sense of like security where you know what movie it is, yeah. and then something like there's a horrifyingly abusive father or there's just the blood and guts and gore and then it goes right back it goes yeah. right back to being normal so I like to think Deadly Friend is actually a sequel to Kids. 
And Richie Wait, had Rick, to like go into like witness protection at some point because mm-hmm. he did something so fucking big mm-hmm. and wrong. Although I think his and character, I think his character in Deadly Friend, like all male protagonists in slasher films in the eighties, was named Paul. Well, that's what I'm saying. He went yeah. into witness protection. He had to change oh, okay. his name to Paul. To Paul. There you go. Uh, then we also had uh, Todd Porter who played uh, Hamilton or Hamilton. Uh, we had uh, and, uh, there's oh, uh, Jeremy J- Jeffrey Jacquet Jacquet. Yeah, he, uh, uh, I think it's Jacquet. Uh, he played Jeremy. He played the Jeremy Connection. Uh, that's, we'll, we'll talk about the Jeremy <laughs> Connection. It was beautiful. Uh, he is the token black guy, and really he doesn't have any other character other than that. Yeah. He's kind of lucky you like him, but he has nothing to contribute ever. He, he's energetic, and he's he's the one who talks about things that interest him. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't really have much of it. Like in one episode, he tr- almost lands an interview, or he did, I guess he does land an interview with a famous person, but... It goes real bad. That, that's not really his, like, episode. It's not his story. No. Uh, he, he actually has some cool credits on his resume. He was in Return from Witch Mountain nice. and uh, a recurring role, uh, recurring role on Mork and Mindy. Mm. Uh, and then the other more interesting young person character is actually Alice played by Andrea Elson, who was Lynn Tanner on Elf. Yep. And she was also in Frankenstein, the college years, a movie I really want to see now. Um, and she's yeah, kind of rec- great, actually. I recognized her from Elf. Yeah, I didn't really watch a lot of Elf. Um, well, I, I guess I looked her up and then it's like, oh, of course, she's the woman from Elf. Uh, I saw a lot of Elf. I liked Elf. Everyone liked Elf. <laughs> uh, but Alice When is, I was a kid, I thought Elf was great. Alice is actually a really great character in a show like this. She's, is, she's is also she? The, she's just as bland as the other three. No, because I think, I think she actually contributes like there's she's the token female in the group as well Mm. but there isn't a lot of there's a couple of bits where like Hamilton has a crush on her Mm. but it's really only isolated to a couple of episodes she's not there to be an object of desire she's not to be flirted with she's not there as an object of desire she's very intelligent she's very capable um, and, and she, she contributes a lot. She mm. contributes a lot, which is something that Hamilton doesn't do very often, mm. and Jeremy doesn't do very often. Well, she, so she actually feels like an important character in the series. More, more than the other two, she is sort of a confidant. So yeah, yeah. The other two are Michelangelo and Donatello. They're just sort of off in the corner doing goofy crap, and the the other two turtles are the ones that have like things to say. Yeah. Uh, Richie has a younger. I don't s- believe I made that analogy. It's very late. Richie <laughs> had a younger sister uh, named Cheryl, mm-hmm. played by Melanie Gaffin from The Entity. I, I've thought I could have sworn throughout the bulk of the series that she like the following year would be Harriet, the obnoxious neighbor from Small Wonder, because uh, she looks a lot a like that bit. actress. I but it, that, it, yeah. I looked him up; it's not the same actress. Uh, and uh, then uh, Richie and Cheryl's mother mm-hmm. uh, is played by Madeline Kane. From the Mr. T uh, uh, self-help videotape, Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. She does not have an illustrious career. I've seen that. It's weird to me, though, that her name is Irene Adler. And they say Irene Adler a lot. Because Irene Adler Mm -hmm. is the name of Sherlock Holmes' only love interest and also one of his greatest nemeses. Huh. And if you did a lot of detective fiction, you probably know that. Duh. So it's super weird for me. And they never—I th- thought a maybe little, little tribute to Conan Doyle well, by, the, just, by the writers. No, but it's just weird that she has nothing to do with that character. I kind of thought maybe that would like mm. pay off somewhere, and we'd find out that she actually had a past, or <laughs> you know, something yeah. would be kind of weird. Um, and then uh, what happened was, and we'll talk about the episodes in a minute. The first episode or two uh, is basically about the Whiz Kids 
driving the storyline. Their pluckiness, their inquisitiveness, <laughs> their eagerness to get involved in criminal so-and-so mm. uh, drove the narrative. And then apparently the summer before WizKids premiered, but after they shot the pilot, there had actually been a couple of very well-publicized cases of young kids who happened to be computer geniuses hacking into things like banks or the military. And the network got a little nervous. And so they... But in, in real life, they were actually like doing criminal things for the... They weren't benevolent yeah, actors. They, yeah, they weren't like, you know, solving crimes. They were... But they, this was the concern. Mm. So after the pilot, they added a couple of characters mm. uh, and made them uh, adult characters and made them drive the storylines and bring in the whiz and, kids for help. And the show suffered as a result. Oh um, my God. Was that a terrible idea from a dramatic perspective? Be, be, from a dramatic perspective? Yes, because the whiz kid, it's called whiz kids. We want to see it from their perspective. And yeah. the adult characters in taking up so much of the show, it, it just becomes an ordinary mystery show. Yeah. And ordinary is a great way to describe this show because it is bland as dry toast. It's got a good premise, it's, especially for considering how like ahead of the curve mm, it was in yeah. terms of computers actually helping solve crimes. That's an interesting premise, especially with kids. And you just make it about a reporter, Llewellyn Farley, played by Max Gale, who, who was on Barney he, Miller. Who looks like an escapee from Nambla. He just looks terrible. He's like got he's, the worst hair he's the wor- I've like ever he's seen got that, protagonist that on sort show. of party in the back, proofy hairdo from that you saw guys have in the 1970s, but yeah. he was balding on top. With a few but, wisps Yeah, but in not the completely front. bald. So yeah, yeah, these like wisps like, that he was brushing I, back. I literally... And then he had one of those really, really pervy Lee Van Cleef mustaches that drooped down across most I'm of his face. I'm sure the actor is a wonderful guy but it is not a good look for well, anybody and, and he he actually through that look was able to be kind of charismatic he had kind of an Aaron Eckhart vibe about what him. I kind of liked about the character is that he's a reporter he's not glitzy he's not glamorous he just he doesn't mind that he looks like that mm. and that tells you a lot about a character <laughs> no a a he thinks that looks fine. Mm. B, there's no one living with him who tells him not to do that. <laughs> I, I literally, I tapped my wife on the shoulder as we were watching the show. And don't, I was like, don't ever let me do that. I know I'm bolding. If I get that bad, just mm. tell me and I'll shave my head. I promise <laughs> I'll leave the beard. I know everyone likes the beard, but I'll shave the head and I swear to God, I'll do it. Um, and he is joined by Lieutenant Quinn, played by mm. A. Martinez. The A doesn't stand for anything. His first name is the letter A. Interesting, right? <laughs> um, and he's an actor you might recognize from Longmire, Profiler, L.A. Law, or, since you interviewed him for it, uh, he, uh, Curse of Chucky. Yeah, I, I, there's, I actually posted this on our Facebook page. I went to uh, Canada to visit the set of Curse of Chucky a couple of years back, and I got to interview the cast, and he played a priest in that movie. So I got to talk to A. Martinez. He was very, it was very exciting to talk to him because in Curse of Chucky, he was uh, decapitated. Yeah. And, uh, Spoilers. The, and pff, come on, that's not much of a spoiler. Somebody gets decapitated <laughs> in a Chucky movie. And uh, they made the best prosthetic head of A. Martinez. It was like really, really realistic. And we all got to hold the head. That's it was really cool. fantastic. And he, he got to hold the head. It was great. All right. So there are 18 episodes of WizKids. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each of them, but we will burn through them. Oh, God. I, would, I, yeah. I had to marathon through some of these. So they're all blending together in my That's brain. Okay. I, I got it. I took extensive notes. Okay. <laughs> I don't always, but when there are this many episodes, it's easy to mess them up. So the first episode mm. is called Programmed for Murder. And it was directed by Corey Allen, who actually directed like a a, mm. a couple of big movies. If you watch the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, he directed Avalanche. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he directed right. a whole bunch of episodes of WizKids. Uh, and yeah. in this particular and, episode. And and he he was on like, he was a Star Trek guy. 
Yeah. He did like 12 episodes of various Star Trek shows. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, Programmed for Murder mm-hmm. uh, is... Actually got a kind of a neat little plot here. Uh, there is a big company called NASCorp, mm-hmm. which will show up multiple times whenever they need a big evil company. Yeah. But it's always doing completely different things with like completely different arms of NASCorp. So, this mm-hmm. one is about like the real estate arm. And later on, we'll see that they have like a record industry as well that is equally uh, evil and, and corrupt. And they're also the ones behind the uh, the arms building factory that they're going to build in like in this rinky dink town in Los Angeles, like out, just outside of Los Angeles. <laughs> it's really <laughs> bad. Um, so they are trying to buy up all the land in this area and build a thing. Mm. And it turns out they can't build a thing because there's this one really old lady. She's in her nineties and she has no living heirs that they know of. And they're just waiting for her to kick the bucket. She's in a coma. She could go at any time. She's mm. but again, she's in her nineties. It's sad. What are you going to do? But then, when she dies, they plan to uh, uh, mm. buy the land. You've, you've seen the story before. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. It's but plot. then it turns out that the daughter everyone assumed was dead, she turns up alive, mm. and so they they kind of panic and they drug the daughter and they have her institutionalized <laughs> so that no one will ever know that she was alive. Mm. To, and then uh, what they do is they dig up a body. Like a skeleton mm. that died around the same time, it was around the same age, and like put it in like the ground near the back, like the backyard of the house. And then, sure enough, never mind how, the whiz kids stumble across the skeleton. They're just because they're kids and that's what you do. And then when you're a kid and you're having adventures in yeah. the 80s, it's this old like spooky house. Oh, mm. Cheryl, I bet you can't walk over to that house and they end up literally just stumbling across the skeleton. But uh, then they think that. Okay. Everyone assumes this case is open and shut. That was the daughter. Something bad happened. What are you going to do? Ladies in their 90s in a coma. And the whiz kids investigate. And it involves sneaking out in the middle of the night and digging up graves. Mm -hmm. It involves pretending to be uh, uh, people you're not in order to sneak into an old folks home and mess with people who are in there. Um, And it eventually involves uh, them taking matters into their own hands and like going to NASCorp, getting kidnapped, mm. getting left in a closet no, that just to, happens to have a computer in it. Whoops. To, to be fair to, to this show's credit, they don't rely on the one of them is kidnapped plot as often as you might think. They really only happen it a few happens times. three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> but what's cool about it, and I will say this, it's not like they get kidnapped and everyone else has to like, Oh, it's a trap. Of course it's a trap, but we got to mm. go. It's like they're kidnapped. But they underestimate the kids. They don't think the kids know anything about computers. So they manage to take pieces of a computer that are in this storage closet, reassemble it, mm. put it together. It's a little, it's a little far-fetched, it's but it's exciting. It's extremely far-fetched. Yeah. And they manage to hack it and like create a computer program while they're in there that will figure out the password. Which, mm. by the way, they're going just like, okay, we know it's six letters. So it's A-A-A-A-A-A. Okay, mm. A-A-A-A-A-A-B. Like, they just keep doing that. And it turns out it's actually BBB something. So it doesn't take that long, which is a terrible (laughs) password. (laughs) Who would make that password? That makes no sense. One, two, three, four, five. That's what an idiot has on his luggage. 
Um, and they use that to hack the whole building and like turn and up ha- the and heat then, and, and then hack the, the planet, hack the planet. But they turn up the heat on the air conditioning. They turn on the fire uh, extinguishers mm. and um, and generally make themselves a right nuisance. And then they escape and they hose down the bad guys with the fire hose and the truck because the fire department showed up. Oh no! Something got dumped on us. We'll never live it down. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else of particular note in this other than we meet all the well, characters. Something that in the first two episodes that I really appreciated that were lacking from the others was kind of a sense of mischief. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, I think is what the critics were really kind of negatively responding to about how these kids really have a lot of agency. They're able to just sort of go out in the middle of the night. Sure, they're grave robbing, but who hasn't dabbled in grave robbing when they were in high school? Who Uh, hasn't wanted to, at least? Yeah. Who hasn't wanted to dig up a grave at night? It's an extreme situation. It's something you would normally never do or even necessarily Mm -hmm. want to do. But it's something that, you know, it's about sneaking out of the house at night. It's about uh, uh, taking your brother's car when he doesn't know and driving to the rescue with it. But, oh, no, you have to get on the freeway and you've never been on the freeway before because you're Fort fucking teen. I I like that these kids are are granted that power. They're allowed not just to be the leads of the show, but they're allowed to have the wherewithal to do things that they know are wrong, but it's all for the greater good. So they're they're kind of, yeah, they're, they're kind of okay, I think. Well, they're allowed to do that for one episode. And then in the next episode, Fatal Error, uh, they're playing online video games with some guy who has designed a cool new video game. It's about sneaking around hallways, mm. which, by the way, is a genre that would eventually exist. It's called the stealth game genre. Um, or if there's something, actually, there's a more specific name for it. But you've seen it where you, you're hiding around hallways, you're trying to kill people while they're not around. Sneaking and punching, S&P. And, oh, the stealth them up. That's what it's called. It's called a stealth up It's not a shoot up it's a stealth up God, I hate the video game industry. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that they're actually playing a video game designed by an incarcerated prison inmate. Mm. And the incarcerated prison inmate has used this video game as a simulator. <laughs> so to help him break out. Yeah. And he hasn't figured out how to break out of the prison. And mm. the kids figure out how to break out of the prison. Mm. And then he's like, oh, that's how I'll do it. And then he breaks out of the prison. And it turns out he had stolen money. Uh, from, uh, oh, I read it. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Mabel King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the great Mabel oh, um, King, who also was also in The Master, you are called. The, uh, this show, with almost every episode, I th- and I think every episode, there's going to be one or two really notable, really recognizable character actors who are working a lot in, like, from the 60s on. Yeah. So you're going to recognize a face. In almost and every episode. And it's yeah. really exciting to see these names yeah. pop up in the... It's like MC Gamey. Who yeah. knew he was in so here? Like, but all right. So like Mabel King, I mean, you know her from uh, The Wiz. Oh, ironic. <laughs> uh, and she's great. She's got a lot of personality. And she plays a bookie. Uh, who this guy stole like a million dollars from and he hit it and she wants it back and then she like roughs up his girlfriend and he has to go to the whiz kids for help and by the way Richie's mom is really cool with strange middle-aged men mm. arriving in the middle of the night to see or, her teenage son and hang out in his strange room of mysteries there's a great line like of to that respect in uh, mystery men it's mm. like hey dad I'm going to my room with two strange men uh-huh <laughs> that's that's it <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, and you know, like people are all con- like they find out that Richie's up to no good. These are bad guys, or figure out that he's foiling, foiling their plan. So a lot of bad guys are sent there and just sort of infiltrate Richie's house. There's one episode where a guy like plants bugs around the house. I think it happens multiple times. Yeah, and and it just says, <laughs> "I'm here to fix the cable." Well, Channel Two is okay. Let me in. And she's like, "Well, okay." <laughs> Mine is an open door. Well, there's a thing that uh, shows up at the end of this episode that I kind of wish had become. It, it happens a couple of times, and I wish almost every episode had ended this way. It's the Whiz Kids chase, hmm. where at the end of it, they've uncovered the bad guys. The bad guys are out in the open, and it all results in them chasing the Whiz Kids in an interesting location where kids hang out. Yeah. And in this one, they, they're chasing the Whiz Kids through Universal Studios and end up chasing them onto the Conan the Barbarian stunt show stage, mm. which I don't know if anyone remembers that, but well, that thing was cool. The stage is still there at Universal Studios. If you ever go to Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, they, they had, yeah, the Conan stunt spectacular and uh, the, the big... Uh, centerpiece was a big dragon head that breathed fire over the audience. Like, real, real fire. fire. And and it, like, it was real. a huge head. It was well articulated. Mm. And he just had this, you know, muscly guy in a loincloth jumping around. Yeah, and there was... Explosions and, and hidden trampolines. And it was really cool. I'm sure they're like Broadway dancers who got their start or maybe... That's the best career they could get was playing Conan in the stage spectacular that turned into the Beetlejuice rock and roll stage spectacular. If you remember that one, I do remember that that stage, you know, stage mutated into that. Not as good a show. I would say it was just Uh, Beetlejuice playing music. It wasn't nearly as interesting. Beetlejuice and the universal monsters playing music. So it was like monster mash. Yeah. Like that's, that's my thing. Who cares? The Conan thing is. And now it's uh, like, had special effects of movies kind of movie spectacular or mm. like life people come out on stage and explain how movies work and then the minions do a thing. They should bring Conan back. It was so cool. I'm not even kidding. It was a real <laughs> treat actually to watch that again. And we're going to see that later when they actually do the exact same sequence but at Raging like, Waters. Well, it's SeaWorld, isn't it? I don't think it's at SeaWorld. I think it's there's animals there. There's like walruses But there's and stuff. also like mini golf. Yeah. It's, I it's don't know where the tell. fuck it is. Uh, but uh, so basically the day is saved. Mm. Episode three is Deadly Access, um, mm. in which, uh, yeah. Oh, this uh, is the one where they're hired to test security. I think it's for, I'm not sure if it's NASCorp, but it's like some big evil chemical corporation. Yeah, and uh, it turns out that, unbeknownst to some of the people who work at this chemical corporation, like the head guy and a couple other people are coming up with the perfect way to poison the water supply. And Richie manages to stumbles across it. Mm. This is also the episode that starts a two part crossover event with a much more popular <laughs> series called Simon and Simon. You remember Simon and Simon? It, no, it, they don't. Oh, it, ever, it, it ran for like eight years. Come on. It was okay, a pretty popular but show. He, here's the thing. It, it ran for eight years in the 80s mm. and has not been mentioned since. Simon and Simon isn't like Battlestar Galactica or the mm. A-Team where it has this like ongoing cult that lingered for a mm. long time and then it got rebooted and people are still talking about it. When are they going to make a Simon and Simon movie? That's not, that's never happening. It's just people have moved on from Simon and I, Simon. I'd say Simon and Simon is is almost as popular as Magnum P.I. at least. It, well, it was it was well beloved. It was really were, highly rated. People Simon remember and Magnum P.I. as an icon and no one talks about Simon and Simon. Simon and Simon was about a pair of brothers who were private detectives. Mm. Uh, one was very effete. He was the straight man. One was a down homey kind of cowboy dude. 
Yeah, and that's and, basically and, and that was it. They, and they and they bickered a lot. And they were both played by Philip DeGuerre, uh, both created by Philip DeGuerre Jr. Uh, <laughs> that would be fun if they were both played by the same actor. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yes. Uh, but in this episode of Whiz Kids, mm. uh, Simon shows up without Simon. Uh, so, and he's investigating so, this company. Simon the straight man, not Simon the cowboy. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And honestly, I didn't recognize him. I didn't watch Simon and Simon, oh, right. so I just thought he was just some random private detective. So the whiz kids are breaking into this building. Simon is breaking into this building. And they sort of, like their eyes meet from across the room. Like they recognize that they're both protagonists on shows. <laughs> and then Simon really creepily starts mm. hitting on Alice, who is at best 14. She's 15. They're all 15 years old. Still. <laughs> she's 15 years old. She's clearly got a crush on him. Fine. He's a handsome man. Mm. He really lets that happen, and he mm. flirts, and it is not comfortable it, at all. Do you, do you remember that episode of Star Trek where the entire story, like, the plot hinged on whether or not Kirk could seduce a 12-year-old? No. <laughs> No, I don't remember that. Yeah, where I think it was Miri, where he, where he uh, he has to like show show her that there's more to the world and that she can have womanly emotions, and she tries to he tries oh. to get her motor running a little bit, you know, if you, oh you know what God. I mean. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. awful. I remember was it Octopussy where uh, uh, James Bond, like one of the Bond girls, was an underage figure skater. No, that was for your eyes only. Really? With I thought the, that was with, the, with the skater? Was it? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. With the underage skater? Fortunately, yeah, was... he didn't go through with it, but it was no, played it... as if it was like, oh, isn't this wacky? Mm. No, it's actually pretty fucked up that you're going here, mm. actually, and maybe we shouldn't be encouraging this even for, for the purpose of whimsy, mm. because, yeah. Well, I, I, I can see if you're like... If, if you're a young person watching that and you have a crush on older men and older actors a lot, mm. that you, you would want them to flirt back with you at least once. That, I think that's kind of what the vibe they're going for. I can for. appreciate it. For, here's we're, the we're, we're looking at it from the vibe of the adult who's approaching the child. So and I, yeah. Exactly. And I'm sorry. I, I know that, like, listen, when you're young, you fantasize mm. about older people mm. because they're they're mature and confident and whatever. That, and that's, that's natural. Uh, to, in, in real life, the adults need to know better. <laughs> in real life, the adults should go to fucking jail. You don't do that. So I don't know if catering to that fantasy and saying that it's fine is a good idea because adults who might be into that sort of thing might see the episode and go, no, there's, there's, there's definitely an unsavory audience to something like that. Yeah, so it's not comfortable. But in the end, they they save the day. They team up and save the day. And uh, and then in the next episode of Simon and Simon, the WizKids showed up. Yeah, the, the Simon and Simon were investigating uh, the bad guy from Beyond Westworld. Yeah, James Wainwright? James Wainwright. And uh, he did some bad thing. Mm. And uh, the Wiz kids are brought in to figure out like what plane he's going to be on. And then they find out what plane he's going to be on. But it's taking off in five minutes from Mexico. So they're calling everyone who could possibly know Simon and Simon. While Richie is typing away trying to find ways to stall the plane. Mm. Like, oh, there are supposed to be 15 Irish Terriers. Mm. Like, they're supposed to be on the plane. We have to find them. You're never um, going to believe this, but there's a very important person who needs to be picked up at the, the terminal. So turn the plane around. And here's the thing. That's actually the good stuff. Because whenever it's just the whiz kids hacking into something and finding information, it's fine. But when the show is more entertaining is when they do something new. Mm. Like some new piece of technology. Some new aspect of computer science that they haven't touched before. And how can we build a crime around it? That's the fun of it. Mm. So the idea of nowadays, yeah, you can imagine hacking into an airport computer 
mm. and totally messing with them because everything's automated like that. Back then, that was actually pretty novel. And there's even a moment where they say to themselves, can we stall a plane? <laughs> is that even a thing you can do? Turns out, yes. <laughs> Turns out, yes, it is. Uh, the next episode of WizKids, Candidate for Murder. Mm. And this is the one in which there's a candidate who commits murder. Well, it's, wants it's, to anyway. it's a, it's a blow-up situation. Like yeah. the, that, that movie, the D'Antonioni movie. Yeah. Uh, about a guy who takes a photograph, turns out the photograph, he may have photographed a crime, and he's mm. uh, blowing up the photograph, mm. trying to figure out what, what the clues are, what mm. really happened. So in, in this one, though, it's the computer version of that. They, they run a, com- a, a picture into their computer, and they use computer-enhancing technology to sort of look around in the picture and find that a candidate might be yeah. colluding with a, somebody. A candidate for governor mm. is, uh, who's all, I guess also like the district attorney, mm. um, is saying that he's going after this one corporate corrupt corporate tycoon, but the corporate tycoon has actually like got the candidate on the take. Mm. And some hapless reporter who was taking photographs of nothing important uh, got their meeting in the background of a shot. Mm. Um, and that guy gets the fuck murdered out of him. Like, it's actually really, really dark. Um, and well, then the, it- the show is not... We, we should point out, it's a, we said it's like Hardy Boys. It's a really light tone. So even though there are murders, it's mm. it's like off-screen, kid-friendly murders. <laughs> is there such a thing as a kid-friendly murder? Absolutely. I murdered a guy. Oh, that's great for kids. Kids were... Ki- <laughs> people were killed on cartoons all the time. Yeah. Death was everywhere. Death is great. Um... <laughs> So, uh, where was it? Where was I going with this? So they did the thing. There was the photograph. They use a uh, technology that even today we know is bullshit. Because the, like, the notion oh, of photo enhancing is has always cracked me up. Because I I've tried doing that. I've tried blowing up images before. Yeah, yeah. you just make the pixels bigger. Yeah, you You're might not, be able to sharpen it slightly, but even mm. that's not great. Like you just you I always love do much. I always loved you know enhancing, and they'd like hit a button three or four times, and it would just sort of sharpen out. So essentially, any image is like an infinitely it's like an infinite microscope you can just zoom in forever my favorite one of those is in blade runner where deckard is enhancing enhancing now uh walk through that door and take a right yeah and it does and i'm like fuck you (laughs) i don't care how futuristic you are fuck you so it took a picture around the corner somehow yeah i don't know how it fucking did that um but it all the thing that ties it all together is that there's a school project in which everyone has to interview someone who's doing something for for the community. Oh. And uh, Alice interviewed Gloria Steinem because she was doing a book signing nearby mm. and she bought like 12 copies of Gloria Steinem's latest book. That's actually kind of funny. Mm. Jeremy has nothing. So he decides he's going to try to get an interview with this you candidate see, I, for governor. I, 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 I I love this. I love like I said. I like it when it focuses on the kids and their problems, and you know, crime and murder. Yes, but getting somebody for your book report is a huge concern when you're 15, and landing a candidate is a big deal. So hmm. it actually ties those two stories in it together yeah. very well. But he doesn't know that the candidate is actually the criminal that they're hmm. looking for, and uh, the can- he ends up spilling the beans like, "Hey, we found this photograph, and I'll tell you about it if you let me interview for 10 hmm. minutes for my school." project and the guy's like great let me take you into my secret limousine mm. and then drive you to the beach where no one will see you 
and we can do whatever. <laughs> and the whiz kids find out about this and they know the guy is crooked. And so what they decide to do is we're going to use our computers to turn the Santa Monica freeway into a parking lot, which is code for doing nothing because it's always a parking lot. And well, the Santa Monica freeway is the 10. And, you know, if, if you try to get on the 10 at 5 p.m. on a Thursday, yeah, it's not yeah, you're, going, you're, if you're going, going east on the 10. There's no fucking way. West. Most, no, no fucking way, because there's the Pacific Coast Highway is always well, backed if, up. If you go that, past the 405. If you go that far west, but yeah. yeah. We're from LA. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going on the 405 any direction, any time of day, that's a parking lot. <clears throat> don't, don't, listen, LA people know their fucking traffic. If you're writing a movie set in LA and traffic is a factor, do your goddamn research. It's, it's because sometimes really, it's bullshit. It's something I really appreciated about the remake of The Italian Job. They go to L.A. to p- perform a heist and they say to the, the driver, it's like who you know drives away very, very quickly. It's like time how long it takes for you to get from like Santa Monica to Hollywood. It's like and they think it's going to be like three minutes because it's, it's like an eight minute drive. <laughs> and he ends up sitting in traffic for like three hours. Like how long did it take you? About three hours, 15 minutes. When I was sitting at the intersection, eight people died of smoking because he was watching that ticker on that big billboard on Santa Monica Boulevard. It's really fantastic. There's uh, uh, there's a, there's a line in Sharknado where it's like, mm. oh, I know a shortcut. Mm. Between the West Side and like Burbank, and I'm like, no, you. Fucking <laughs> There's no no unless one you're knows in a that. helicopter. No one has that, you dingus. <laughs> um, cellular is full of mistakes like that yeah. too. Where like I don't fucking buy for one second. That, that was a fun part about watching Twenty Four because yeah. it's set in L.A. It's like okay, I'm, I'm in Claremont. I'll be in Santa Monica in ten minutes. No, you won't. The majority <laughs> of do, the, do you have it, the Enterprise? Where how are you getting there? The majority of the horror movie Annabelle is set in Santa Monica, mm. and there's a scene where a guy in Santa Monica, and they even say it's Santa Monica, mm. uh, injures himself. And then they take him to, and even it's clear. I think they even say it out loud: uh, a hospital in Pasadena, Pasadena. which is <laughs> it's you like have a to forty-five dr- minute drive at best. It's a forty-five minute drive, and no matter what route you take, you're driving past two hospitals, mm. including yeah, UCLA, which is the best hospital on the West Coast. And, and, and they're in Santa Monica, Saint Monica's, the town's namesake is right there. Anyway, it's ludicrous. Um, so, in any case, they do that thing, mm. and they also hack like the built, like the anim- the billboards that give you like updates on traffic mm. to say that there's deadly poison gas, and everyone gets out of the cars. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're that that would cause a panic. <laughs> That's actually like super fucking yeah, dangerous. Well, yeah, I, I again, it, impish childhood fun handled a little, little irresponsibly. Plus. There's poison gas. Why are you getting out of the car? You roll windows up. Yeah. You stay in the car. It's ludicrous. You don't there's, move. there's also, uh, but it was actually kind of interesting watching this episode because there's this one bit where they only have a partial license plate on mm. the, the vehicle where they got the image. And they try to run that into the DMV. Say, hey, DMV, can you run this through your computer? I'm like, we can't do partial license plates. Mm. And I'm like, well, that will change quickly because <laughs> cop shows are going to rely on that for decades. Mm. Uh, episode five, chip off the old block. Uh, this one is directed by Vincent McAvity, who we've run into before. Yes, that's right. He's uh, one of the more prolific and wonderful directors of the time. He did, did Star Trek, of course. He but, did Herbie uh, Goes Bananas. Uh, in fact, he did uh, Million Dollar Duck, Biscuit Eater, Super dad strongest man in the world the ample dumpling game rides again herbie goes bananas and herbie goes to monte carlo i apologize and watcher in the woods so uh in addition to a lot of television you watch in the woods yep no shit i like that movie mm-hmm. um well 
he did this episode. And in this episode, uh, which is... Uh, uh, Chip off the old block. Yeah. This one's actually kind of fucked up. because uh, This is uh, the one that has Robbie Wrist and Jackie Earl Haley. Okay. Robbie Wrist. We've run into him before now, in I, Battlestar Galactica 1980. I really wish that these two characters were regulars on the show. Well, that's the here's the problem. Mm. What happens in this episode is we actually spend a lot of time in the high school and we meet like another kid who's also a hacker mm. and Richie has a bully played by Jackie Earl Haley, who at the time was best known for like the Bad News Bears, mm. but would go on to become an Academy Award nominated actor for Little Children. He was Rorschach and the Watchmen. He was in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. He's a very good actor. Uh, Robbie Riss was Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch. He was also the creepy kid in the first episode of Galactica 1980 before he got recast. Um the thing with this episode is that already we're on episode five, mm. and this episode reminds us how far astray the series has gotten. Because <laughs> we spend more time, those last few episodes we talked mm. about, we spend more time with the reporter, in particular, and yeah. to a lesser extent, the cop, uh, than we do with the kids. Here, it's about kid problems. What happens is yeah, Richie, well, and, Richie uh, has like another kid at school who is also a hacker who is stealing money. He's hacking money from a bank. Mm. Um, in order and, to buy a computer for himself because he's doing it at school. And and Richie is also a hacker, is savvy to this, and he confronts him, but kind of sees a kindred spirit. Yeah. And, Unfortunately, uh, it starts out with Richie being framed for the deal. Mm. And then it turns out they actually enlist Richie to help figure out who is hacking this place. And it turns out that even though Robbie Wrist was indeed stealing a little money from the bank, there's actually someone stealing a shit ton of money from the bank, and, and it's an inside job. And pinning it on Robbie Wrist. Yeah. So... It's a good little episode. Jackie Earl Haley is a fun bully because after a while he realizes that Richie isn't just smart. Richie is steal money smart. Mm. Like he can actually like steal money from a bank. He's like, I respect you now. You're going <laughs> to teach me how to do this. Well, you got to know a lot of math. I got a C plus once. Well, I, 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 and again, I wanted them to at this during this episode, this was whole, I, this might've been my favorite one where mm. the, the characters relate to each other like real kids. Mm. They're really charismatic. I actually like Richie a lot because he's kind of awkward, but not in that kind of stumblebum sort of way. He's awkward in that cold, shut down, not really well at socializing sort of way. Mm. And uh, He's actually kind of shitty sometimes, Yeah, and too. he can be a little bit mean, and he gets really intense, and he kind mm -hmm. of backs off, and he's really antisocial. He's not warm, and I kind of appreciate that he's not warm, but all of his friends are, because it changes their their dynamic, but I, you still believe them as friends. I also like that the show doesn't always side with Richie. Yeah. Richie will make the wrong moral choice, or the wrong choice uh, mm. just in terms of like friendship lessons, like My Little Pony. He'll choose computers yeah. over his friend sometimes and it usually doesn't work out for him even and though he so, ends up saving the day so he get he gets to constantly learn lessons and i like that he had a kindred spirit with robbie wrist and i like that the bully like i love for some reason they just their relationship felt very real to me that the bully was going to help them even though he kind of disliked them or he liked them for the wrong reasons yeah which gave them this really interesting relationship and it those characters never came back robbie wrist confessed yeah everything was pinned on him and and Jackie Earl Haley just wasn't in the series anymore no in fact uh, the episode ends with Jackie Earl Haley and Robbie Riss deciding to join forces as mm. some sort of weird master blaster and it, yeah you kind of want to see like, them more often it's like freak the mighty all of a sudden yeah uh, episode six is airwave anarchy which is actually a pretty good idea for an episode mm. in which a sort of Orson oh. Welles type <laughs> villain uh, played by Guy Stockwell, Guy Stockwell. <laughs> Dean Stockwell's less famous brother. Mm. Um, he is behind a series of robberies and he is using his computer to hack the police, like 
bandwidth mm. and cancel calls to local uh, law enforcement whenever someone calls it in. So, mm. like, they can take their sweet time breaking into an armored truck because when someone calls, he immediately cancels it. Mm. Which is pretty clever, actually, especially for the time. Mm. Like, that's actually a pretty good episode. It's also the episode where uh, Richie gets a robot. Oh, yeah, that robot. That, that robot. You'd think that would be more important later. They bring it up, like, twice. I, I think it's shown, like, dead in, in pieces in a later... Like, the, <laughs> I think it's one of the last episodes where the mom is pointing... Like, a separate scene where a mo- the mom is talking to the younger sisters. Like, and something chipped my coffee table. And we just see over in the corner the broken robot. So at some point, it just fell apart or they took it apart. <laughs> episode 7. Mm-hmm. Is where the sh- is where already we're seven episodes it was, in. Was six up ep- like where they were hacking into like like the cable station was interfering with their hacking? Is that what was going on in that episode? I think so. Yeah, like the, the I kind of po- zoned out. I think on that the police were kind of like pirating a cable signal. They had a cable signal, and the cable TV was interfering with the hacking in some way. Oh, it was, it was static electricity was a problem with that one. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, episode seven. Mm-hmm. So we're seven episodes into the series mm-hmm. and they've run out of ideas. No, they have Marjo Gortner. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have Marjo Gortner and you're, you're hitting your stride. Mar- is- Marjo Gortner, by the way, one of the most amazing men on the planet. <laughs> Start of a lot of really schlocky, bad movies, including Star Crash. Which is also in the new season of MST3K no. and deserved better. And uh, he, I like that movie. <laughs> subject of his own documentary film because Marjo Gortner was also a televangelist for a short while. A really showy, like, glam rock talent evangelist as well. Yeah, he's a weird actor. Who, who, who openly admitted that he you know, didn't believe any of that. He was just trying to swindle people. I, I, I firmly believe that the film The Last Exorcism is actually based on Marjo Gortner. I imagine it is, yeah. yeah. Um, he's an interesting actor. If you're not familiar with his work, mm. check it out. He's, he's really neat. He, this is the episode. He, he looks like Garfunkel ate Simon. You know, he's just this, this <laughs> weird-looking dude. The episode begins... With uh, it turns out that NASCorp is back, and they're and they're <laughs> they have rec- a record label. Their record they're like label, the bin from the Apple. Yeah, their record label is evil, and what they have done is they have taken this uh, tragically died before his time mm. uh, hillbilly rocker, uh, very El- very Elvis ish. Elvis crossed with Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, like yeah. basically that's that's the gag. In fact, he even plays a Jerry Lee Lewis song at one point. Um, he died before his time, and they have enlisted a songwriter and high-tech computer technology to, to make new songs that he quote-unquote recorded mm. quote-unquote secretly and they quote-unquote found mm. from decades ago now that's immoral mm. but it's not super evil it's just it's just a scam it's it's not evil yet it's, it's kind of unethical and no, it's super g- unethical. given the way computer technology has advanced and we're you know recreating peter cushing's and movies mm-hmm. uh, rogue one will show up in the series as well eventually mm-hmm. but uh yeah it it does raise these sort of ethical questions that we're asking now how well, ethical is it to put a dead actor yeah using not you know, convincing, but reasonably accurate CGI technology. Or even just lying about who's singing a song. That's a scandal that would come across um, less than 10 years later mm. uh, when Millie Vanilli were exposed as lip syncing yeah, the entire yeah. time. They were a hit band. They were lip syncing. People decried them and it was gone. Um, it wasn't just gone. It ruined those people's lives. Oh, it lives. ruined their lives. Yeah. No, absolutely. My point is that their their records weren't sold anymore. Mm. No one talks about it anymore. We're all embarrassed. Um, so they're getting away with something and it seems like a pretty harmless crime because the dude's dead. 
Turns out he's not dead. And he's actually <laughs> performing at a local dive bar mm. that Farley discovers. And they use That's voice a, recognition look, software look, to prove that it's him. We didn't even say the name of the, the reporter. That's Llewellyn Farley, by the way. I thought it's, I said it. Yeah, yeah, we didn't say his name. His yeah. name is Llewellyn Farley. Llewellyn. Yeah. yeah. Farley uh, discovers that <coughs> this, this classic rocker is alive and well. And he thinks he's got the scoop of the century. But it turns out that he faked his death because he had fallen in love with a mobster's girlfriend. Mm. And the mobster threatened to to kill them mm-hmm. so when he is exposed he thinks the mobster is coming after him but it turns out it's Nascorp who have decided to bump him off because he could potentially expose the fact that they made up all of those recordings so they have gone just pure evil mm-hmm. <laughs> they no. go from they go from like white collar lame scammy evil to, to murder evil mur- murdering cover-ups sort of thing yeah so it is hilarious and it is so fucking stupid and broad it's the weirdest fucking thing like eight episodes like seven episodes in seven episodes in they fucking found elvis or at the very least they found eddie and the cruisers <laughs> Eddie lives. Like Eddie and the um, Cruisers too is I think didn't come out yet. Like we this mm. this might have inspired Eddie and the Cruisers Eddie lives. A movie well, I liked when I first saw it. Haven't seen it in like 30 years. Don't go back. <laughs> Keep those not. memories of Eddie and the Cruisers too. Yeah. Uh episode 8. Mm. The wrong Mr. Right. And here's something I didn't know hmm. was a trend until we did this show. This is the third show we have done so far with, with vi- an, video dating. With video dating as a as a uh, as a uh, hive for murder, as a means to murder. Yeah, but this one's totally different because we, we saw this. We saw this on uh, Man and Machine. Yeah? Yep, and then we saw it on uh, Tequila and Bonetti as well. And in both of those, the idea was <coughs> this perfectly benign dating service mm. was attracting someone who wanted to be a serial killer. It's. It's dire. It's maybe cynical, but it could theoretically happen. Uh, well, it's it's been done. <laughs> for no, I know. Sake. Yeah, I'm just saying. There was an unsavory element. They were tapping into that ripped from the headlines sort of story. Yeah. And yeah, this is uh, computer dating was a brand new thing at the time. And there was there's been a joke. There was a joke about computer dating on The Simpsons. Like, could could it be used for dating? Yes, but the matches would be so perfect that it would just ruin the fun of human romantic conquest. Yeah. And um, uh, so, yeah, the computer dating in 1983 was just sort of floated, matching somebody randomly, going on blind dates with somebody that you just sort was, of meet randomly. It was completely random. I'm sure they cross-checked your interest, but well, it's, they, not, they, it's not as detailed as Well, yeah, become. but they, they cross-checked your interest, and if they matched your interest, you got set up on a blind date. Yeah, and, but uh, the difference with now, this Now we one, just have dating apps for that. Yeah, but, uh, the difference with this mm-hmm. is that this isn't an episode about a dating service and there's someone in the dating service who's killing people. Mm-hmm. This is a computer dating service that was designed by the people who started the company as a way to get con artists to seduce rich ladies, ladies who can afford a computer dating yeah, service and then get them to like steal or leave them their money and then bump off. And to the extent that the episode begins with a training video about how to handle it when the rich old lady that you are seducing accuses you of only wanting her money. Here's the wrong way to do it. And he gets all up in a huff. How dare you accuse me? Here's the right way to do it. Baby, I understand that you're concerned and this is moving very fast if we need to take some time off and uh, mm. uh, you know find each other again I can do that mm. and then they hug and then you know this is sort of like a thumbs up kind of thing like you <laughs> got the money it is so hilariously it, it, like it, I don't buy it because it's a successful company you started a successful company mm. just to commit shitty petty larceny it makes no sense 
I, I, I wasn't sure what was really going again. This was another, I watched a lot of these late at night and mm. I didn't really absorb uh, much of this one. I, I have to confess. Uh, so I wasn't really sure if this was the purpose of the dating company. It is the purpose of the dating or company. Or if this was like some people on the side who had found this kind of dark loophole, like this way of exploiting the dating company for their own purposes. Mm. No, no. They, they created the company. A successful so, company so a, that makes a, a lot of money. for gold diggers. Yeah. It's a successful company right. that makes a lot of money. And they have, and they only use it to steal less money from the people. It's so odd. This is also another one that ends in a whiz kids chase because what happens is they, the the guy who ends up dating Richie's mom because Richie decides to set her up on a computer date without telling her it's a computer date. Mm-hmm. So when the guy calls, Richie meets him for coffee and says, "Yeah, I'm going to interview you that, for my mom," which yeah. is super creepy and weird. Well, and yeah, Richie and his buddies show up. Like if say you're set up a blind date via computer or, you know, Craigslist, whatever we got today, and your your mate's kids show up. Yeah. I without think, without the woman without, you're supposed to be dating. I would assume that she was waiting around the corner. It was just sort of a cute way to introduce her kids. Yeah. And she was going to come out after that. Yeah, no. But then she says, no, and then we're going to meet for coffee later. It's like, WTF was that? I would assume mm. that the mom didn't know and the kids set all that up. Which is indeed what's happening, yeah. but uh, it's it's super weird. But it ends basically when the, the company is exposed and rather than slink into the shadows... Because what they kind of just did was just some white collar scamming. They decided to pull out guns at raging waters and chase the kids around to the extent that the bad guys are like grabbing a suitcase full of money and mm. jumping down a water slide, and the whiz kids <laughs> jump down after them that, for no reason. Th- these whiz kids end up chasing, at the bottom of yeah. the water slide. These whiz kids chases were all very clearly inspired by the bike chase in ET. That's this where it all came from, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the Goonies. Well, I guess the Goonies was later, but yeah. All right. Uh, the next episode is the beginning of the Better Off Red trilogy, as I call it, which is when the whiz kids end up involved in the Cold War. Uh, oh, was this this was the the uh, war games episode? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah, uh, this is the uh, oh no, this is the one with the stolen computer chips. There is oh, a okay. woman who works at a computer chip factory right, for, right, for right. the government, and she is a uh, uh, she has been recruited by uh, the by Russian spies. Um, and uh, will they steal the computer chip? They're gonna try. <laughs> they are gonna try. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and this is also the episode in which Richie and Jeremy and Ham decide to use their computer mm. to help them research the books they should be doing for their book report. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is stupid. Well, they, the, uh, the teacher... Oh, something I forgot to mention, actually, in an earlier episode, how these kids sort of relate to popular culture is a little bit weird. Mm. And I remember Ham was trying to ask out a girlfriend of his, like a potential girlfriend of his, that they should go out and do something fun. But he would need to borrow his brother's car and they'd have to sneak out and go see a midnight movie of the Mm. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. And that was too wild for her. And so he said, yeah, let's not go to Rocky Horror. Let's take it slow. (laughs) It's really (laughs) hilarious. But yeah, in this one, um, the big concern is what they're going to write their book reports on. And the three boys all want something really sexy. Mm -hmm. And so they, not knowing anything about the books, they just come up with titles. 
And yeah. so they think, I'm going to go for Portrait of a Lady. Well, no, but here's the thing. Here's what they use their computer for. They don't use their computer to, like, mm. I don't know, as, like, Cliff's Notes to write the report for them. They use their computer to find out what book to read. And they mm. use search words like classics mm. and, you know, sex and mm. uh, love affairs and stuff like that. And what they end and up they, getting, they crunch the numbers for like a day and they, they walk away and they come up with like 15 really famous titles yeah. from the Western canon. You could have yeah, literally just called a librarian and mm-hmm. just said, Hey, what's what, what should, we're looking for books that have like these particular qualities. Mm-hmm. What books should we read? And I took a picture and I can't find and it. Throw, now. throw Anna Karenina at them immediately. Yeah. Like yeah, there was Anna Karenina was portrait of a lady. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these kids Jane, are, Jane Eyre was one of them. Yeah. yeah it's, Jane these Eyre are like makes sense. really famous books that kids just sort of read in high school and high school kids would know these books. Well, I just like it's and the thing <coughs> is Alice to her credit mm-hmm. actually says, why don't you just pick a book and read it? And Richie just says, because pencils are boring and computers are fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Richie, you fucking suck. <laughs> you fucking suck, you <laughs> son of a bitch. And to to their credit, and I mm-hmm. will give the show credit because I was worried they were going to do this. At the end of the episode, they end up like stopping the Russians from stealing this computer chip that would get them into NASA satellites. And they end up... Uh, getting a note from the FBI saying Richie couldn't do the assignment. He was busy helping us stop the World he, War Three. Says I was helping with helping the FBI and the teacher, who's a recurring character, uh, yeah. says, oh, "Oh, you were helping stop. You were help- working with the FBI." And he does say, "I have a note." Yeah, I mean, she and has it. Just, she, she reads a note. It's like. Okay, touche. You work for the FBI. And you didn't do the assignment, so you have to take a test. (laughs) Yep. Doesn't let him off the hook, and I'm really, really glad. I found the Mm. listing. So after, like, a day of crunching three Mm. search terms, (laughs) they came up with the list. A House in the Woods, A Tale of Two Cities, The Red and the Black, Mm. The Mayor of Casterbridge, Far from the Madding Crowd, which is a really good one, actually, Portrait of a Lady, The Moonstone, Nicholas Nickleby, Anna Karenina, Great Expectations, Daisy Miller, Wuthering Heights, Frankenstein, which is the odd one out here, Mm. Test of the Durbervilles, Jane Eyre, and War and Peace. And you can hear them lasciviously going... I've read like nine or ten of those. Yeah. Yeah. And you can hear the kids like lasciviously saying, Jeremy's like, ooh, I'm reading Anna Karenina. That sounds hot. And I'm like, oh, you are not going to have any fun. <laughs> this is going to suck for you. That's, that's not even Madame Bovary hot. That's just that's like, it's like tortured romance. That's That's... That's death by train hot. I got got really, really turned on when Levin was plowing the fields. (laughs) So in this episode, Richie works with the FBI to stop Russian spies. Mm. In the next episode, Richie is arrested by the FBI because they think he's a Russian spy. Literally the next episode. uh, uh, Wasn't it the NSA in one and the FBI in the other? Well, he's... Okay, okay, here's the deal. Mm. Uh, A hacker named Wrench... Posts on the right. school online message board, mm-hmm. like you do. This is for high school, by the way, and it's like a public school. Uh, that hey, I found this thing, and I can't figure out how to get into it. Does anyone know how to do it? And like the name of it is NSA class data. Mm. So it's the NSA classified data. And Richie figures out how to like hack into this. There's also the plot of Summer Wars, you may recall. Uh, and then the the NSA now, is like, to be oh. fair, they have a a hacker, an unknown hacker contacting someone through a network and they have a hacker name it's all all new all interesting concepts in 1983 that's right that is to be fair this isn't a cliche yet i just think Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that summer wars a movie which is really good would eventually do the same plot one in any case richie is accused of hacking into the nsa turns out he was the fbi arrests him 
because they're the ones who can actually arrest him for uh-huh. it. Uh, and uh, they've completely forgotten that last week he stopped World War III, and now they assume he's going to start it. And Richie is told by the mole within the NSA that actually we were just looking for the best hacker in the world, and we're mm. going to need you to help do this thing, and he doesn't realize that he's actually helping the Russians. Uh, well, it's it, it feels very Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. Like, he is setting up all these doomsday scenarios uh, unwittingly. Yeah. And, uh, and like he's, he's literally figuring out the best way to bomb America. Yeah, so he's... Uh, trying to set all this up it turns out that uh i love the way this one ends actually because you know he's he's spirited away to this you know the big super lab and he's surrounded by guys in suits and he's like plugged into this machine and he's kind of being brainwashed a little bit like he's well, getting he's, a little too obsessed with these they're programs. playing to his ego and richie has a huge ego and they're giving him all the toys he wants to play with which and, richie would totally fall for and he falls for it but he he also like starts to like you can see his humanity kind of draining out and how he's just yeah. sort of losing himself to the game like all of a sudden and all of a sudden he can't look past the rules so he has all these toys and it's really cool at first but then his ego vanishes and he just becomes the machine and it's actually kind of this weird portrait of him losing his humanity yeah and at the end he's crying his dad shows up by the way also played by a guy from beyond westworld played by the main guy from beyond westworld (laughs) yeah Yeah. um and he they manage to stop richie before richie blows up america Mm -hmm. and richie cries and he's really vulnerable they they stop him and his first reaction is no what are you like he starts to push past them so he can push the yeah. button. He's like, no, this is really important. I have to save America. See, this is the best episode of WizKids for me because <laughs> this one takes the logical premise of WizKids, mm. takes it to its takes it to its logical extreme, and actually pushes Richie in a very emotional direction. Mm. This is everything kind of WizKids could have been. Yeah. And I kind of like it for that. I kind of like it for dealing with the serious emotions of it. This feels like it could have been a whole movie. Mm. There's a whole movie here. In fact, like yeah, you know, it's all the war games. Well, you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> it's still like it's it was cool and mm. it works and it's an effective episode. So we had one episode where Richie prevented World War Three. One episode where Richie almost starts World War Three, and in the next episode, someone has hacked the Nielsen ratings. It's kind of small potatoes after that. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah the, the show goes downhill from here. Um, so the next episode is Watch Out. There is a com- uh, consumer reporting show hosted by Garrett Graham from Phantom of the Paradise, which is cool. <laughs> and, and a lot of other things as well. Yeah. All the, yeah. And uh, he, apparently he's so good at consumer reporting and exposing faulty products that people are conspiring to hack his Nielsen ratings so, the, so his show will get canceled. Mm. And indeed, when uh, uh, Richie <laughs> finds out that this is something you can do, he's like, oh, my God. I wish I'd known this last year. I would have got, made sure Square Pegs got more than one season. Which reminds me, eventually we will get to Square Pegs. <laughs> which, this was a story of an ALF episode. Really? ALF stayed up late and he really loved this really tacky, obnoxious polka program. So he used his ship's computer to hack into the Nielsen ratings and make it the most popular show on TV. Oh my god, that's <laughs> terrible. Well, in any case, it all works out okay. Mm. And they managed to stop, like, evil baby food that was killing babies from killing yeah. more babies. And then, by the way, that took it into a real dark place. This was a light episode. You can tell that this is supposed to be a light episode after that heavy yeah. shit we just had. And Yeah, we, we get to see people holding cans of this big thing that's called Krebs Formula. Krebs Formula, by the way, is like an actual formula from biology. Mm. And it's called Krebs. It's a show for nerds. It, it, it really made me giggle. It is Craig, Krebs formula. Right. But yeah, they feed it to a baby and there's lots of shots of a baby crying. And my baby's being poisoned. Isn't that an interesting plot point? No, a baby's being poisoned. That's terrible. Okay, now, again, I want you to think about the succession. We have 
uh, preventing World War III, almost starting World War III, hacking the Nielsen ratings, and in the next episode, everyone falls victim to a mummy's curse. This was the weird one. <laughs> this is the one where because I'm like, there's actual wow. supernatural stuff in yeah. this one. They go and to, they never talk about it. No one's even phased. They go to uh, the private museum of this weird, creepy guy who likes to dress as a vampire and talks like in horror movie talk. Well, and he's, he was <laughs> used to star in horror movies. He's mm. like a Vincent Price analog, yeah. and he's collected a lot of rare antiquities. And he gives he gives private tours of all the cool shit he's collected, including a mummy. Which is a great tour when you're in high school, isn't it? Oh my god, I would kill for that tour. <laughs> that would be a highlight of my high school years. Uh, and I love that, you know, uh, Alice is really kind of creeped out by this guy. And she, he like leans forward and says something kind of lascivious. And I will drink your blood. <laughs> she looks at him and says, did you have a weird childhood? <laughs> and he looks at her and says, Yes. And that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> Later on, they visit him again, and he's st- he's not giving a tour. He's just hanging out in his vampire makeup. Mm. His butler goes around in a skeleton mask, and he drinks big goblets of of tomato juice. And you love this character so much. So he's got this mummy, and the mummy has like this one bit of text on it that's never been deciphered. So of so course, they feed Ralph into deciphers. The computer they feed it into the computer. Ralph deciphers it immediately, and then but re- while he's asleep, his little sister reads the curse, and yeah. all, it turns out she. And everyone else is cursed, and they're all wild jerk, evil jerks now. Well, that's the curse. Well, it's not that they're jerks; it's just that they, they their personalities go in the complete opposite direction. Mm. Richie starts hating computers and smoking in school and becoming a real jerk. Mm. Uh, Cheryl becomes less of a brat, and she wants to eat oatmeal mm. and like you know put her hair up and in, in nice curls and everything like that. The mom, who is very dedicated to her family and to this house mm. and to the history of it, well, decides to sell her house because all she cares about now is money. And Farley, <laughs> who is in the middle of a police corruption scandal mm. decides fuck it I'll name all my sources and tell the cops who are corrupt what's the worst that can happen isn't it better when everything's out in the open and so the cops who are like confiding in him decide he's got to be bumped off because the mummy's curse okay. makes them evil cops now this this is the plot cribbed from like every Saturday morning cartoon show yeah uh, a mummy's curse turns you into the opposite of what you are. And you can see the way they animated it. Like they gave them purple eyes or something to mm-hmm. indicate that they've been infected. And luckily the curse is broken at just the right moment. Nobody gets shot, even though people are being held at gunpoint. Mm. Another great cameo in this episode, Zelda Rubenstein. Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah. Yeah. From, uh, from, from Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Uh, she shows up as a woman who tells them how to break the curse. And she has a great line that only Zelda Rubenstein could possibly sell, which is if the cast has been invoked by a computer, it must be revoked by a computer. Don't worry. I'll whip something up. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also the episode with Joe Estevez. Yes. <laughs> Who, who, who doesn't even have a notable role. He's only has like three or four lines. He's yeah. just one of the, the the cops. But yeah, he comes in, glowers. There he is. Joe Estevez, bigger than life. Right. Episode 13 is when they, I guess they realized that they had completely fallen off the reservation. And they realized we got to do something to get the show back on track. So we open up with a revolution in Central America. And then a female mercenary from that revolution is hired as a maid in Richie's house. And she starts bugging the house because Richie's dad is going to visit and Richie's dad is going to a political conference and she's going to assassinate someone at that conference. Now, I know what you're thinking. What the fuck does that have to do with anything I just said? Well, they're going to actually create a new direction for the series by introducing a secret society that enlists the whiz kids to do secret missions. And and it is run by the old guy from RoboCop, Dan, uh, Dan yes. O'Hurley. 
Yeah. Uh, he Dan- was also in Battlestar Galactica. Um, he was in Halloween 3. He, he's been around. You know yeah. Dan O'Hara. Carson he, Marsh is the name of the character. Carson Marsh like, lives in a mansion. He hates kids. That's his big defining characteristic. And so boy, he, is that refreshing he, on the show. He really... <laughs> resents that he has to interact with the whiz kids in any capacity. He has a really great line of dialogue where, uh, he, he said, he actually says to the, like, he has these four 15 year olds in his room is like, ugh, I hate teenagers. He says it right to their face. And they're a little bit miffed. He's like, you know, you were a teenager. And he says, bah, in my day, we skipped those years the way they skipped the 13th floor on buildings. <laughs> What I like about this, and honestly, this gets real broad because now there's a secret society, now there are secret missions yeah. and everything. But what this does actually helps the show and keeps it more focused. Does, does I think it? so. I think, right. I think it does. Okay, it was always it, it, pretty it, broad. It does, it does focus it back on the whiz kids a little yes. bit in theory. Well... Because it's enlisting the whiz kids to help them, help them with their own secret missions. But now it becomes about him his missions and the reporter and the cop are still in this it's just diluting the show more i don't think so because what happened in the, all those other shows we talked about was with a couple of rare exceptions the whiz kids weren't driving the action hmm. the reporter was investigating something or the cop was investigating something and the whiz kids come along halfway through the episode to help out the kids aren't driving it here we're always introduced to a crime at the beginning of the episode hmm. and then the whiz kids are given a task that's it. If we have to have adult supervision on this so show and take the curse off of it, just get them involved at the well, beginning. Well, well, have, a, have a device that just says, hey, listen, I'm a shut-in. I'm not going to leave the house. You need to go figure out this thing. It, it was That at least gets it going and then we don't waste all that time. It was so clumsily handled. It's Charlie's Angels where we're focusing a lot on Charlie and not, not enough on the on, Angels. It's really so, not that much on Charlie. Yeah. This episode was a lot on him because we're introducing him. Yeah. After this, he kind of comes and goes pretty quick, yeah. actually. And I think... I mean, it's still really broad and kind of stupid, but at the very least, it is functional. Mm. It's quick. It gets the plot out of the way real fast. And then the kids are involved from the beginning of every episode. Mm. And that works. I think it works better than what we had before. Not as good as what Uh, we had in the pilot, but if we can't do what we had in the pilot, this is the next best thing. I I suppose so. I I suppose from a a storytelling perspective, it is efficient, Mm -hmm. but it's not well handled. Uh, the fun part about this episode is that the maid is part of, was in the hire of an evil crime boss played by, of all people, June Lockhart. Yeah, from Lassie. <laughs> from, from Lassie and Lost in Space. And she's, you know, usually like friendly all-American mom. And here she is playing kind of essentially a super villainess. Yeah, that who, is like fun. wears furs and she's clearly having the time of her life. Episode 14 is weird. It's called The Lollipop Gang Strikes Back. With Sylvia Sidney! Yay! Sylvia Sidney, most people probably know her best as Juno from uh, Beetlejuice, Mm. the uh, chain-smoking caseworker. But it's also got Alicia Cook Jr. uh, from Casablanca. Alicia Cook... Alicia Cook from everything. He was he yeah. has like hundreds and hundreds of credits, and yo, know, of course, another Star Trek actor. Yeah. The, but yeah, you, you've you've seen him. He's been in everything. At the beginning of this episode, mm. uh, basically the trash humpers rob a liquor store, and then they take off their weird, creepy masks, and they're just old people. Mm. And it turns out that they, like a lot of other pe- old people in the neighborhood, including Carson Marsh, their social security checks aren't coming to them anymore. Mm. Um, they're told that they are the computer says they've been sent out but the computer also says that they're dead mm. so there's some sort of conspiracy someone's stealing I, all the social security turn, money it turns out kenneth mars <laughs> from uh, young frankenstein and the producers uh, and many others as well has been uh, rerouting the social security checks to himself and uh 
runs afoul of the whiz kids who uncover his plot. Yeah, the uh, uh, what's kind of interesting about this one is that there's a big plot point in this episode where the old people spray paint LOL on mm. places where they commit crimes. Mm. Now, we know LOL for laughing out loud. Mm. It's lead speak. It's what people type on computers. Uh, that would not be used in a computer context officially, according to like Webster's Dictionary or whatever, mm. until 1989. Okay. So this is a show about hackers using the word LOL as like the letters LOL as a major plot point. Mm. And then five years later, like computer people would embrace it as meaning something <laughs> I, else. I believe in the episode, though, they say that LOL stands for little old lady. I know, but for half the episode, <laughs> I thought this we discovered some weird little quirk of popular culture and we get to like tell everyone, no, really, WizKids is where LOL Wiz comes Kids from. Pioneered and, LOL. And maybe in a weird roundabout way it was, but I doubt it. But like, it, yeah, it's, it's, still it's, it's revealed that Sylvia Sidney and her crew are robbing banks to make ends meet, or robbing convenience stores to make ends meet. Yeah, and they're giving all the money that they make to people at their old folks' home who can no I, longer. There's eat. actually a really cool plot point, like investigative plot point, where it, the uh, the investigator finds out that all of the convenience stores that are being ro- mobbed are on the bus routes. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, who takes buses? Well, these old people take buses all the time. So clearly these old people are robbing the stores, taking off their masks and just waiting for the bus. <laughs> all right. Episode 15. Does anyone here follow me on Twitter? If you do, you might notice that I tweet something every single day. I tweet, this is your daily reminder that the Day of the Dolphin has the best tagline in movie history. The tagline for Day of the Dolphin is, unwittingly, he trained a dolphin to kill the President of the United States. This is about an evil cabal of criminals... Uh, including M.C. Ganey, mm-hmm. a, a character actor I actually really like. Just this mm-hmm. evil bastard. He was in stuff like Breakdown. He was in Django Unchained. No, he was on Lost. Okay. Uh, oh, but uh, I, I didn't really sell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that was a real movie starring George C. Scott, directed by Mike Nichols. Mm-hmm. They did a Day of the Dolphin episode of WizKids. Called the Sufi Project. Yes, <laughs> in which a scientist has trained a dolphin to talk using computers mm-hmm. And uh, an evil organization is going to steal the dolphin and make it do stuff. Here's something really funny. While I was watching this episode, uh, I was you know looking up information and I got a little sidetracked and started looking up uh, shows that Frank Welker had appeared in. <laughs> Turns out, Sequest DSV, uh-huh. a show that also has a talking dolphin. As a main character. As a main character. And that dolphin... Is voiced by Frank Welker. So everything was coming full circle while I was watching this episode. Everything was falling into place in my mad, exhausted brain. Uh, Episode 16 is the final episode in the Better Off Red trilogy. Mm. Uh, This is an episode in which Alice's new girlfriend... Sorry, boyfriend. Mm. Not that progressive. Alice's new boyfriend uh, mm. is actually in the witness protection program because his father was yeah. a spy whose identity had been revealed. And, this... and the Russians might want to kidnap that kid mm. and use him as leverage. Uh, And this is the only time Alice really gets a moment to shine. Like, she actually has character moments for the first time that don't relate to giving Richie advice. Yeah. Uh, She, because she, like, is attracted to this boy and they have conversations. And, of course, it's a kid's show, so it's super chaste. He's like, I I need to hide out. Can I just hide out in your room? And there's no hanky-panky whatsoever. They kiss once at the end of the episode. Yeah. Like, that's as far as it goes. But it's nice, actually. And they have a rapport. It's Mm. nice that she doesn't just end up with Hamilton or something, like, really contrived. Because they're both actually kind of quiet and sensitive, and they can relate to one another in in that sort of close way. So when they're alone together and their conversations feel actually really sweet and natural. There's this one weird moment Mm. where they give, like, two unimportant characters way 
way more personality than anyone else on the show. It's when uh, the witness protection kid is hanging out at home with his mom and his stepfather. And his mom and his stepfather are playing Scrabble. And Um. he plays Quixotic across two triple word scores, Uh which gives him over 300 points. Yeah, and you'd think to yourself, I think it gives you four hundred and four. I think I calculated it. Once. All right. Well, in any case, he he, it's it's a staggering amount of points, mm. and you'd think that would be like, ah, you son of a bitch, you've ruined Scrabble, and then she smirks and says, hey, you finally caught up, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is just yeah. nice that like that's that's a cute little bit that mm. she just he just he just happens to have super smart parents. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah, that's yeah. fun, actually. I, I, I didn't quite catch that. That's good. It's, it's a good, good yeah. gag. It ends with uh, at, at a rock <coughs> concert where they're using computers to shoot lasers everywhere, and mm-hmm. Richie like uses the lasers to blind the spies, and it's fine. It's, that's fine. That's it's cute. Fine. It's well, it's, it's it's again using something familiar to kids to help. Yeah. All right. Good. Episode seventeen. Altera. Richie gets a love interest finally. He it's, gets to it's date a, a, seven, a senator's daughter. It's a pity that these two aired back to back. And this makes mm. me suspect that these were aired out of the order in which they were shot, especially given the last episode, because mm. which the, doesn't secrets, feel like a season the Secret finale. Society wasn't in that episode. I think it occurred much earlier in the season. Yeah, they were, this is, I'm, I can but, uh, to you, they were aired out of order. But yeah, the, he, uh, I liked the relationship between these two young people as well, because Richie is finally... Uh, forced to behave like a real human being mm. and he kind of has to work through his awkwardness and find that you know he can actually be kind of sweet and he actually admits to this girl that he's fallen in love with who's a really strong political advocate mm-hmm. she's trying to stop mass corp once again from mm. building a weapons plant yeah to build this new tank that they call the rogue one just <laughs> just like a movie that came out recently there's a guy holding up a protest sign that says tankies go home <laughs> Which I don't think is a thing. I don't think tankies is a derogatory <laughs> term anyone has ever used. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. She, she and uh, he is, mo- she's cute as a button. He's mm-hmm. moved by her passion and they end up, she, she ends up swinging by with some flowers and they end up just developing a relationship that feels unforced. What's weird about this, there's, 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 the thing that's weird about their relationship actually is that usually in a show like this, mm-hmm. um, that sort of relationship where the hero falls in love with someone or whatever, it's usually done in one. It's mm. usually they fall in love, but then she's got to move out of town or something, and we're back to the status quo. Or, the or end, she, or it turns out she's a villain, and they yeah, can't stay yeah. together. And they almost go there, where um, he, Richie begins to think that her father may be taking bribes from NASCorp, and he confronts her about it. Mm. And she even gives him that shitty thing, well, if you love me, you'll cover up for my dad. Mm-hmm. But it turns out her dad's actually innocent, and it all works out okay. And at the end of the episode, they're still together. Yeah. Which is kind of nice, actually. I guess like, yeah, they are going to make her a, to a character they next al- season. They almost break up, and yeah, but they come. He has a girlfriend now. Good for him. Which, New this, character. More kids in the show, for goodness this, sake. This probably should have been the season finale. And if you ever get a chance mm. to watch Wiz Kids, I recommend watching this episode last because it does feel mm. more like a proper. I mean, it's still not an ending, but at the very least, it's more like a new beginning. Um, and then the last episode is a fun idea. The, okay, so Charles Napier is is the bad guy in this one. And he Called, is. May I take your order, please? Uh, he's. Uh, 
plotting a murder at a drive-thru where Alice is working. Yeah, he's in the drive-thru ordering hamburgers, and while he's right next to the intercom, he plots a murder. So and she overhears him through the intercom. She overhears it, they begin to interview, uh, like, investigate, they find that he's a film producer who does, like, these schlocky Corman-like movies. Well, he's not actually, he's pretending but, to be, yeah, because it that gives is him the, an opportunity. It's a, it turns out the whole film production is just a front mm-hmm. for a heist. Yeah, he needs, to, he needs access to a museum, there's like these Babylonian jewels mm-hmm. and the, their excuse to get on the premises is we're shooting a monster movie and he just like it's it's like that one Alec Baldwin Matthew Broderick movie where it's just like we don't care what the movie is we're not really gonna make it mm-hmm. we're gonna go through the motions and try to convince it's the director it's called The Last Shot yeah. The Last Shot that's the movie I'm thinking of not a and good movie by the way fun idea though true, well because true story oh well, yeah still a fun mm-hmm. idea is my point so like I kind of wish it had been more about the fake movie mm-hmm. because every time they, they show the fake movie stuff it actually looks really funny you hear this you see this director at the front steps of the museum going i want ooze i want people to be running out of the theater screaming and then you see the costume and it looks like like it's just this know. big black greasy thing with like a bunch of horns it sticking out of a guy sub sid and sid and marty croft level like it mm. looks really dumb and even the director's like this looks really dumb and charles neighbor's like i just shoot it just shoot it I don't care it's like I love that another guy who was in on the scam says you know we're spending all this money on film we're not actually shooting anything so like, yeah but we gotta put something in the camera yeah. they're gonna notice that don't worry we're saving money we're never gonna we're not gonna de- actually develop it so we don't have to spend money on that um and uh, uh there's yeah and then they they stop him from doing that basically mm. yeah we not a great way and, to end and that's, season. And that's the end of uh, WizKids. Where do you think WizKids would have gone if it had had a hundred episodes? Oh, jeez. Um, what, what, what other, like, developments in computers could they have exploited for crimes? It's it's difficult to say. You know, there, there's... I'm trying to cast my mind back to 1983 and the kinds of things mm. that... Backwards was, masking. Oh, there you there's go. Actual, like, like, a, a, like a subliminal adver- like advertising. Subliminal or advertising or like, uh, you know, someone like put like a secret code mm-hmm. in like a heavy metal album, mm. like, but it's backwards masked and like everyone's trying to burn it, but they have mm-hmm. to save the record from being thrown on um, the pile. Computerized farming leads to poison food. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Uh, bootleg VHSs. <laughs> that was a thing that was about to become a huge fucking deal. Mm-hmm. That could have been a that could have been a whole episode about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, tr- tracking technology would have had to be employed at some point. Oh, like, super! Like putting a little yeah. little magnet on something and you can track somebody's location. Oh, uh, just using magnets to erase uh, uh, material. Oh, there. Someone's you go. just going around to like various oh. places and erasing important documents. Here's one they never actually did. Uh, the uh, Ralph gets a virus. And oh, yeah. starts giving them inaccurate information. Yeah, that never uh, that mm. never came up. You mm. think that would have come up at some point? That's a good one. Um, what else? What else could we have used? There's so <laughs> many, there's so many possibilities. So much fun. Uh, re- rerouting planes that could have been a thing. Yeah, uh, we t- terrorists trying to reroute planes. I, we mm. kind of did that in in the Simon and Simon crossover. Yeah, episode. but you're doing whiskets proper. Yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, it's, it's ridiculous if you don't. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, but here's the thing, though. That's kind of just the gimmick of the week, mm. because the problem well, is the problem is though is that it's so easy to run out of those computer ideas. Because again, this is a full season of television. This is 18 episodes. Next season, if it had gone on, would have been another 18 or 20. Mm. And even in one season, they had to fall back on a mummy's curse. Yeah, they were. They clear, were not. They were already reaching for plot ideas. 
here's the thing. I really like the characters on the show. I think mm. Richie's really great. I, I think his friends like are really, they don't have a lot of personality, but they're likable and approachable. Mm. I like the relationship they kind of had with some of the other adult characters. And whenever they were doing kids stuff, the show was really shining. Mm. Could you uh, explain? It was, sorry, go ahead. Explain why. Well, there was one thing we said we mentioned and we didn't. Mm. And I honestly was super hazy about it. What the fuck is the Jeremy connection? Okay, so in the June Lockhart episode, they had to find excuses to keep going to her house because they were trying to go in. And, They're trying and, to sneak into the house. Sneak into the house and, and do shenanigans. So Alice shows uh, up with Girl Scout cookies. Mm. Jeremy shows up offering to do yard work. He, he shows up offering to do yard work. He says, you know, this is completely under the table. You don't have to pay me a lot because I'm only 15. And... I'm the Jeremy connection, and he and the two male, his two male friends, all have T-shirts that say the Jeremy connection. What does that even mean? Well, it's it's just to show that he is like an enterprising young businessman, and he made t- matching T-shirts for himself and his friends. Yeah, and like there are scenes in this. In the this Jeremy episode. connection T-shirts will be available on T Public pretty soon. Oh, we're gonna make them because they're just they're just a light yellow T-shirt mm. with black letters that just say the Jeremy connection. And I've posted this on my Twitter as well. It's just there are whole scenes where almost every character is wearing this awful the jeremy connection t-shirt <laughs> you're not sure if it's a band or what the hell is going I on i thought it was a band i thought i'd like maybe dozed off for a second and i missed something where jeremy started uh, this, a band just jeremy is that kind of charismatic dude for a scam he's excited about making t-shirts so hey i'm gonna do some yard work i'm jeremy we're the jeremy connection we got look we got t-shirts like J- jeremy you're going overboard with this no no i got t-shirts jeremy <laughs> jeremy we're way over budget <laughs> we just needed to get inside June Lock wait wait house. hats I can make hats too. No, 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 no. We're good. We're good. We're good. The t-shirts are fine. (laughs) We're just trying to break into June Lockhart's house. We don't need hats. That's a great out of context line. We're just trying to break into June Lockhart's house. We don't need hats. But yeah, we had t-shirts to say Jeremy Connection. It was great. I want a Jeremy Connection t-shirt. I like, listen, I like the characters too. I think Alice is a particularly fun character. I think Jeremy and Ham are kind of disposable and forgettable. There's one fun bit where they're thinking they're all going to go to jail for their hacking. And Hamilton finds out, it suddenly hits Hamilton that it's real when he's told he can't play the school dance. And you can tell that no one has ever suffered the way that Hamilton is currently <laughs> suffering. They like milk it. He calls his Dad, dad, I need to go home. And I'm just like, dude, dude, you're you're really getting off light right now. You well, have to be in I, I love that Richie is kind of gloomy and a little bit complex. And I love that he has these two kind of airheaded friends mm. who are smart and who are resourceful. But, mm. you know, they're still only 15. Not playing the dance is more important to him. You know, I, I, I like that about these characters. I, 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 I like that Ricky. That, I like that Richie. Mm is weird and complicated and kind of shitty sometimes. Mm. But sometimes he's shitty in ways that I cannot support. And when he like actively just says reading sucks, I'm going to have my computer do my reading for me. A part of me, like the part of me that like cares about like culture and literature Mm. wanted to strangle him and I didn't like him anymore. (laughs) But Um, again, they're only 15. And the the producers of the show actually said they cast uh, 15 year olds for a reason because they in their minds, they knew this show was going to go on for years and years. Mm. And a big plot point a couple of years down the line was going to be them going to college and continuing to do this as they grew up and became more sophisticated. It was going mm. to be a show about the kids growing up. And the show failed almost instantly when it stopped showing the kids and started focusing on the cop mm-hmm. and, and the reporter. And these are interesting characters, too, but they need to be in their own show. I think if they had, I think if they had followed through on what the, uh, the pilot did... Mm. Um, 
it, maybe maybe they still would have run out of ideas. I mean, they were still just just hankering for plots. Mm. Uh, but the focus would have been better, and they would have been able to fall back on the character interactions of the kids, who are way more interesting than any of the adults. Mm. Uh, so I think if they had maybe if they had followed the pilot more and not had all that network interference, I would say the show was canceled too soon. Mm. But frankly, as fun as some of the ideas of the episodes are, and mm. as fun as some of the characters are, and as cool as it is to see all of these awesome supporting uh, uh, like mm. guest actors. Um, it's not a fun show to watch. It's just slow it's, and padded. Yeah. This, despi- is a, this is another one that feels like a 30-minute episode that got d- padded to an hour. Despite how excited we were about a lot of the guest stars and some of the weird stories, the show we weren't able to really stress that the show is dull as dishwater. First of all, we saw like bootleg from a VHS, so all the colors were washed out. and It was, it was like watching a kitchen sponge. It was just mm-hmm. an ugly images. In contrast, and we the- watched the Simon and Simon tie-in episode on Hulu, and it's all cleaned up and it looks nice and we're like oh yeah WizKids was actually probably a pretty good looking show once well, it just had not been taken but care of you can of. tell that it wasn't sh- like apart from that weird mansion uh, like the, the horror mansion and the secret society mansions mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of interesting locations mm-hmm. Ralph didn't look like some sort of interesting machine you could interact with it just looked like a pile of boxes mm-hmm. in a dark room uh, it was just suburban homes and boring back streets that they were filming on. It was not visually dynamic in any sort of interesting way. Yeah. They uh, tried to. Sp- it was not paced well at all. It wasn't no. edited well. The scenes just went on and on and on. The stories, <laughs> yeah, were like you said, there were maybe half hour worth of story that were stretched out to an hour. Mm. It was boring. It's one a boring show. Th- one thing they tried to do to make WizKids seem super distinctive and mm. different was they actually gave it a very unusual musical score. Well, it was all computer generated. It was computer generated, mm. but it was computer generated classical music, not unlike uh, the Beethovenia from mm. Clockwork Orange, mm. which is suddenly experienced a huge resurgence, or new surgence, I guess, when Clockwork Orange came out. It was electronic classical music. Mm. Uh, but whereas Stanley Kubrick used it in a moody way, mm. in an exhilarating way. Um, it's kind, always, kind of using it to underline his the moral bankruptcy of this yeah. universe. Uh, WizKids just uses light and airy stuff, and it almost always undercuts any sense of suspense mm. or dramatic tension. Um, and it and, usually well, feels misplaced. And to modern ears, that kind of plinky, midi-style-sounding classical music feels really cartoony. It yeah. feels really kind of kind of well, goofy just, in a lot of ways. It just never seems to match and, and, the and you're, it, Yeah, it is. It's all like light classical. It's like gavots and stuff. Yeah. It's not ever something heady. Yeah, the majority of the music is by uh, uh, <coughs> the majority of the music is by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, mm. but it was synthesized by Paul Chihara, uh, who had a really lengthy career doing a lot of film and television. Um, he did the great Sydney Lumet movie Prince of the City. Okay. He did uh, the great cult movie Death Race 2000. Okay. And we've seen him before because he also did the music for Doctor Strange and Manimal. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Right. So uh, he, he's pretty cool, actually. He just didn't, uh, didn't have much to work with here. So uh, was, hmm. was WizKids canceled too soon? No. I've, no. No. This was, no. This was not there's, a good show. Like, there's, again, this is one this of those things hurt. where there's a lot of a lot of good promise, a lot of interesting stuff good that, idea. that we're trying to cling on cling to along the way, but it's just not it, it never picked up. It never started to kick in any sort of interesting way. Yeah, no. Oh, it, I want to see these characters in a good show, not these characters in this dull show there, that they were I, just I was, yoked with. I'd be happy to see a reboot of this, because there's nothing wrong with the concept. Well, the we, we have fun. a lot of it. We have stuff like Scorpion now about, I'm talking shows about, about for, for kids. Oh, for like, kids, like, okay. like a kids version of this. Like mm. you do, like a uh, like a half hour 
Nickelodeon mm. or Disney XD version of this. There's a good show here. Yeah, and you can yeah, have a lot so. of fun with it. Even you can even do it as a period piece. That actually be kind of neat. Just do <laughs> it with more contemporary storytelling, with a little bit more freedom of what kids are allowed to do in a show, mm. without parents freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Well, I think today, if we could, if we wanted to show kids using computers to hack into, uh, you know, plane systems in the NSA and stuff, if they're actually doing illegal things, you would have to animate the characters. It would have to be an animated show. Because in, in a lot of ways, that takes the curse off of a lot of it. Yeah, it feels if it's not real, Yeah, if it's not real people, if it's just drawings doing it, then it's okay. They talked about that a lot on Futurama, how mm. they had a character who would, like, cuss and drink and abuse children and just be a real, real horrible person. Who was but a protagonist. Could, and he was one of the main characters, but it's okay because he's a robot. If you were a human, they couldn't get away with that. But since he's a robot, somehow that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you for for choosing cliffhangers and your Patreon poll. And uh, WizKids was. Uh, and, uh, and I you, hope you enjoyed. And it. you also chose WizKids. <laughs> thank. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I'm glad we got through it. But man, this is one of those ones where and by I, about twelve I, episodes in, I was just like, I wish this had been canceled earlier. And and I I. And I had to marathon through. I watched like seven episodes in one day. Yeah, and it's pretty just, Oh my gosh, I'm going cross-eyed. So, so next time I cancel <laughs> too soon, we're taking a bit of a breather. <laughs> we're going, we're scaling it way the fuck back. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell, tell people what we're reviewing next time I cancel uh, too soon. Uh, I, this is one of my choices. This yeah. is one that I really wanted to see when it aired and I never got to until I was like in my 30s yeah. when I was able to track it down online. But uh, based on a video game and a comic book, uh, the comic book was written by Steve Purcell of Sam and Max fame. So of course you love it. The video game was put out by Lucas Arts of Day of the Tentacle and Maniac Mansion fame. And uh, 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 and I know and, you're super excited because yeah. if you think about it, it really does tie into a very big series that's premiering this month. It's uh, the Defenders of Dinatron City. <laughs> yes, the Defenders. Of Dinatron City, uh, the, the defender, the defenders of Dinatron City was kind of a, a, a children, kid-friendly superhero spoof about radiated people who just instantly turn into superheroes. Like the costumes grow on them and everything. I'm looking forward to watching this because I actually remember the comic book. But uh-huh. I remember it very vaguely. Right, right. It was not something I had a lot of. I like yeah. So the the superheroes are uh, like a guy who can ro- his head rockets off of his body. Yeah. A woman's bottom half turns into a buzz saw. Another guy turns into a, a living hammer. Uh, a dog just turns into a radioactive dog, and the leader is a monkey. Fun. An intelligent monkey. So that was a failed pilot. Yeah, it, it was. It was meant to be a series. They ended up airing it as just a TV special. So we only got twenty-two minutes <laughs> of oh, series to go through this oh, next week. Thank you. We're just doing this as a break for ourselves you, after we, eighteen episodes. We of can't Wizkids. do like eighteen episode shows every week, or we don't have time to do anything else, especially yeah. if they're not necessarily fun. Mm. It, it gets real, real hard. Yeah. Um, another thing we got coming up on Cancel Too Soon, if you're a Patreon subscriber, is the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. Mm. And again, five dollars a month and you get to contribute to polls and you get the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie Uh, and although we had previously announced that the next Cancel Too Soon monthly movie was going to be Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue Mm. which is one of the most notorious PSAs ever produced (laughs) because it has all of the like it has the Muppet Babies Mm. talking about doing drugs yep (laughs) it's so fucking weird Um, but Bugs Bunny like picks up a a, a joint and says what's this a joint and you're just like why does Bugs Bunny know what that is Bugs Bunny grew up on the streets of New York during the jazz era he knows joints shut up um (laughs) We're we're still doing that, but it's been preempted. (laughs) It's been preempted. Because it turns out that this this July, 
the Hallmark Channel decided to debut a couple of Christmas movies in advance of their usual winter glut. Mm. And uh, they're calling it Christmas in July. Yep, uh, they've already aired, uh, but uh, we wanted to wait a bit because that episode is going to be a big crossover mm. with another podcast, specifically Linoleum Knife. Uh, run by uh, Dave White and Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo Duralde's been on this show uh, twice already. Mm. Um, he's been on, both of them have been on the B-Movies podcast, our other podcast, many, many times. Mm. Uh, and they have their own Patreon-only TV uh, podcast as well called Linoleum Knife TV or LKTV. Mm. Uh, there are two movies. We're going to review one on our show and one on their show. So it, it's going to be all four of us on both shows but you need to subscribe to both to hear it all. Yeah. So, um, so not only are we preempting a show, but we're also doing a special crossover episode. That's right. Crossover episodes are great. <laughs> remember when Simon and Simon crossed over with WizKids? Wasn't that great? It was Re- the best thing Remember ever. when Manimal crossed over with Nightman? <laughs> oh, God. Um, we did that. So uh, we're going to be reviewing on this program, we are going to be reviewing uh, a Home for Christmas Day. Which is a movie about going home for Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And on uh, Linoleum Knife TV, we're going to be reviewing The Christmas Cure. Which is not so much about a Christmas cure as it is about a is woman. about Robert Smith celebrating no, Christmas? No, you, that's, that's a, way too cool for a, Hallmark. A, a The Cure Christmas? That would be great. No, it's, about a, it's about a young woman who has to decide between business doctoring or home doctoring. I wonder what she chooses. Well, it's Hallmark, so you know business. Business was going to win important. out. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's going to be premiering next week. Keep an eye on our Twitter feeds mm-hmm. or our Patreon feeds. And again, you don't need to subscribe to LKTV. You can just not hear that episode. It's not going to be like... You're not going to you know, miss out. You're not going to miss out, but, but you but should. You, but you are. But you should. miss out on us. You should check them out. They're also on Patreon. Uh, they also have tiers with lots of cool exclusive stuff. And Dave White and Alonzo Duralde are two of the nicest, funniest, most mm. insightful critics in the industry. And you should listen to them anyway. At least check well, them out at Linoleum Knife, which is a free yeah. movie review podcast. But when we grow up, we hope to be them. That is the fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, just sexy and popular. That's my <laughs> fantasy. Um, and also, uh, you can write us emails. We have an email address. It's canceled too soon at gmail.com. Canceled too soon is all one word. There's only one L in canceled. Mm-hmm. There are two correct spellings. We chose the one L version and we're sticking to it. The You're going to have to live with that. The one L version is the correct American version. Uh-hoo. The double L version is the British spelling uh-hoo. that kind of leaked over to America at one point. I mean, they're, but they're, they are both correct. They're, they're both acceptable. Right. It's totally fine. We just had to pick one and we picked one mm. L and that's that's the end of that. Uh, but a lot of people send us suggestions for shows. Mm. Uh, as long as the show lasted only one season or less, didn't have like, you know, mm. a, another season later or... Uh, uh, didn't have like a movie that came out of it. Mm. Um, it's fair game. Our list is very, very long, but we're always adding to it. We'll always add stuff to the list, and the more people request things, the sooner we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, we will also like to write us with reactions to our various episodes, uh, questions for us as uh, critics or uh, people who watch mm. this much crappy TV. <laughs> Some people remember actually watching these shows when they were on the air and want mm-hmm. to share their memories and experiences. That's always fun, too. Do we have any letters uh, this time? I guess we we'll do soon. do. Here's a letter from David. Hi, David. Hi. This is about Nightmare Cafe. Ooh. Uh, back, which we talked about back in October. Uh, yeah, William and Whitney. Episode. I remember watching Nightmare Cafe many times, and thanks to the Sci-Fi Network, pre-Siffy, 
S-Y-F-Y. Back when they showed a lot of reruns. Yeah, I liked the idea of the roaming cafe setting wrongs right. I'm a fan of Robert England, particularly his non-Freddy roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all four of them. No, he worked Oh, a he works I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. He's, 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 I remember, he's in everything. I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember liking his version of Phantom of the Opera when it came out. I haven't seen that. I, it's been, I haven't he, seen it he, since like 89. He directed that, and he also directed 976 Evil, which I really got to get to <laughs> at some point. Um, later, I saw a show that really did this idea much better, this time with a bar. This one was a one-season show that aired in 2010 on current TV when it was owned by Al Gore. Uh, it was starred William Sanderson as the bar owner called Bar Karma. Ooh. And a man who couldn't leave the bar because of a secret in his past and a woman who's afraid to leave the bar because of her past secrets. Uh, hmm. Each episode, a person who's struggling with a life-altering decision would enter the bar and would be shown a brief scene of each of their choice choices outcomes. Hmm. The two bar workers would then assist them in their decision. Tom Noonan Ooh. appears as Caleb, who tries to steal the bar for his own nefarious purposes. Wow, that's the show good cast. also give the audience a chance to vote on to vote on the choice the character made, offering them a vote uh, two of the three choices. Oh, Jonathan Frakes directed an episode of that too. That sounds interesting. We didn't know about that one. Yeah, we'll bar that, Karma. I have to look yeah, that one up. We'll yeah, I, I did not know that one. You got anything else? Uh, David also writes, mm. uh, I recently found this podcast and begun listening from the beginning. So many shows I've listened to become one season wonders or less. Some quick comments. I watched Birds of Prey and yeah. I liked it. I really watched it for Mia Sara, who is in my favorite, one of my favorite time travel shows, Time Tracks. Oh, I, she, I love Time Tracks. I didn't see Time Tracks. She was also in Time Cop, so she traveled through time a lot. I guess that was well, a, she, a, it's a thing she, she liked. Just didn't t- it travel had, through time. It had two time seasons. Cop, yeah, Time yeah. Tracks had two seasons, so it doesn't qualify. Yeah. She was also one of my favorite time that. travel movies. Time Cop. There you go. Uh, Man and Machine. I loved the show when it first aired. You actually watched it. Nice. And I have watched most of what Yancey Butler has done since the show. I watch almost any sci-fi related show, no matter how bad it is. Ah, non-discerning. Uh, <laughs> I also love Robocop, the se- Robocop, so I enjoyed the sh- show's take on futuristic cops. This yeah. has been done many, many times since, most recently in Almost Human. Mm-hmm. Also canceled too soon after one season. And we have on DVD. We're going to do that. We have one. Almost yeah. Human. We have Future Cop. We're mm-hmm. still trying to find Holmes and Yo-Yo. There's, <laughs> yeah. been a, there's been a French release, but it's our understanding it doesn't have an English audio track or even English subtitles, so yeah, we gotta so, keep looking. And we're not fluent in French because we're Americans. I keep uh, tracking down people who have like you know like weird libraries of old TV. It's like mm-hmm. you have Holmes and Yo-Yo, and so they just like you have very weird taste. <laughs> and I'm like I don't know. I'm trying to find uh, it. He says I thought the cast was really good, and it could have gone on to better things. Yancey has recently done three Lake Placid movies, which are enjoyable. We have reviewed them. We reviewed all <laughs> the Lake Placid and Anaconda movies mm-hmm. on the B Movies podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, three and four in particular are quite good. Yeah, like yeah. especially for Yancey Butler. The Butler's. ones with the ones with Yancey Butler are pretty fun. Well, the first two with Yancey Butler. See, they kind of like took away some of her edginess when she became sheriff of the town well, yeah, I suppose in so. Lake Placid where versus she, Anaconda, where she wasn't the the evil hunter character. They just, yeah. yeah, she just she yeah. she just calmed down and it was less fun. She's still good though. Just the first, uh, three and four are the better I've, ones. I've seen this series at least three times over the years thanks to the Sci Fi Network again before the Siffy rebranding. And they used to air those show, those canceled shows a lot. I picked up Dracula the series on DVD recently. Ooh. I watched this on Saturday mornings when I was about 13 and fell in love with Mia Kirshner. Ah. I enjoy sci-fi and horror shows, so it made my list. She was the best part of the show. The boys were annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the actors Jordy Johnson and Bernard Behrens in this show and the late edition of Garrett Wynn Davies, who I followed to Forever Night. Yep. Forever Night was a great show for two of its three seasons. I'll have to rewatch it to see if it holds up. 
I recently rewatched Sledgehammer, and it does not hold up. It oh. should have ended after season one. That's a pity. That I remember pity. liking Sledgehammer as a kid. I've never seen Sledgehammer. I've only heard the legends. <laughs> I'm looking forward to more episodes of your podcast, since about half the shows I watch become one-season wonders, and I will now check out the B-Movies podcast, because I also love B-Movies. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, David. Um, cool. Mm-hmm. Anything? I got time for one more. Okay, one more. Uh, this one comes from Jess. Uh, hello, guys. I wonder. I just wanted to let you know... I, Wanted to know if you guys were looking at covering Arrested Development. Uh, no, no, Arrested Development lasted three or four seasons, I believe. Yeah, before it got canceled. It got canceled and then it came back. So yeah. it's it's had plenty of chances here. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you guys seem to like off-the-wall stuff. I wanted to know what you thought of the movie Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> I loved it, and, and with so many superhero movies falling short, I would like to see more like it. Yeah. Thanks, and keep up the good work, Jess. Uh, yeah, some people... Uh, uh, Everyone has shows that they think were canceled too soon, mm-hmm. uh, and many of them were, even though they lasted more than one season. But <laughs> to keep the show manageable mm-hmm. for people who are, might be newer to the program, uh, we chose one season or less. And even one season can be really long because, mm-hmm. again, we try to do one of these every single week. <laughs> so getting through a whole t- season of TV and in, in one in week, Charlie Jade was particularly brutal. Yeah, that was yeah. a long, that was a long show. And so imagine if we had to do more than one season, mm. that would be really difficult and really wouldn't leave us a lot of time to do anything else like stuff that pays the rent. <laughs> <laughs> like we appreciate your Patreon subscription and everything like that, but it's not paying the rent yet. Not, you know, not, it's not yet. Not no, yet. we shall grow in estimation. It helps. It really, really does. It helps us get more shows. It helps us buy the bandwidth. It helps us, you know, all over the place. It's really, really great. Uh, it's paying for the shipping for all of your prices. <laughs> um, it's 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 wonderful. But yeah, we're we do still need day jobs right now, and doing more than one season is just impractical. Uh, bit of a random question, but as for Va- Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, yeah. I like it. I think it's I think it casts an interesting tone mm. where it has an utterly ludicrous concept, but it takes it super seriously. And I think it's very entertaining for that. It's also super weird, and I totally get it if you don't like it. I feel like it. it's one of those things that would have been better in the hands of a weirder director. It was Maybe. directed by a guy named Timur Bekmembetov, who is not an interesting director. He's made some pretty crappy films. Uh, he did the Night Watch films, which are, you know, broad and epic in scope and just ugly to look at. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also did Wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Ben Hur, and and the new Ben Hur, which is just an eyesore. So I think if he's, here's the thing: he's humorless. Mm. So at least generally speaking, his other films are rather humorless, or they don't have a good sense of humor. So giving him a project that is inherently ridiculous mm. was actually I thought very interesting, and I think he probably did stuff with that that people with a sense of humor might not have had the courage to do, which is play it as if it's not funny. Mm. Like, just take it dead serious. No, Abraham Lincoln, he fought vampires. It's a yeah. thing. Remember when he threw that horse at a vampire? Mm. Yes. I think it was a cow, but yeah. <laughs> no, it was a horse stampede, remember? Oh, was, I the, thought it was a cow stampede. Oh, yeah, I, I guess was, it was horses. Yeah, yeah. and like, they're throwing a, horses. A large hooved mammal goes flying through the air, and that's a fun bit, and it should feel fun, it but is, it's not. It is know? fun. All right, whatever. We disagree. Mo- mo- like mo- movies here. can't be fun anymore. Shut up. <laughs> Um, so uh, that is it for Cancel Too Soon mm-hmm. uh, thank you everybody for listening we think you're fantastic uh, and uh, we will be back next week with a review of uh, Defenders of Dinatron City yep. uh, with our uh, latest Cancel Too Soon monthly movie mm-hmm. uh, which will be a t- again tie-in episode with Linoleum Knife so head on over to the Linoleum Knife Patreon page mm-hmm. uh, and subscribe if you can um, patreon.com slash Linoleum Knife I believe that's right yeah uh, we'll, we'll, we'll include a link somewhere um, and uh, hopefully you check them out. 
otherwise, you'll have our episode mm-hmm. if you're subscribing on Patreon, and that's a lot of fun too. Um, and uh, yeah, we're on Twitter at Cancelled Cast. Uh, I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And um, that's a wrap. Yeah, that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season.